Grover, you need to get Percy to the border. When I say run, run. What about you? You're the one that's after Percy. I love you so much. Ready? On three. One, two, run! Oh, did you have suggested discussion questions in the back of your books, too? No, I have the, Eng- I have the no. British version, so I don't know if it has those. Uh, I have suggested discussion questions, and we will circle back to them at the end. (laughs) Oh, good. I look forward to it. Yeah, I have the British one, so I had to keep doing a double take at a lot of the word choices and spellings. Which is very funny for a book set in explicitly in the United States, but I think I mentioned that the last time. Oi, Percy, I I can't leave the Lotus Bar. I'm too chuffed by this digital video game. We got a we got jolly good biscuits in the Lotus Bar. What's up? It's the Honor Book Fair podcast. This week we are tackling the latter half of the first Percy Jackson book, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. And motherfucking, this is we've read a bunch of like you know goofy nonsense on here and clowns on it. This is the first book I've legitimately disliked. Oh wow! This book fucking sucks. <laughs> this is just this one was like pretty painful to read. Oh wow! All right. I enjoyed in my it, opinion, of course. I'm not, I'm not the arbiter of these things, but uh, <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I wasn't a huge fan. Like that's fair. I, I appreciate parts of the world, and I think, I, I think I said this in the last episode, but I'm not entirely sure. I think if I were a kid reading these books, it would have dramatically informed my playtime with my friends, just like my feelings towards Redwall. Same, but I don't. I don't have a strong love for this book. I like it was fine. I think is 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 the closest thing I can say about it. It was fine and I would have liked it more as a kid, which is the target audience. Yeah. You know, I think I, I think I have a way to articulate how I feel about it. Sorry, Dan, I'll let you talk in just a second. Okay. Um while I, while I still have this thought, what my problem with it is is that it is really firmly rooted in its age demographic to the extent that there's like nothing else to go further from it really as an adult like in you know something like Redwall, we were able to like you know get a good appreciation for like medieval fantasy and like we even you know talked about siege tactics and stuff for uh the elemist we enjoyed it because it was like some really like high concept transcendental sci-fi by the end of it and we can engage with it on like a more adult level this one is just um it is effective at staying to and speaking to um the age range of its readers but like just that and like no like returning to it as an adult value except for a little bit of the western civilization stuff that we talked about last yeah. time just being like is yeah. this this is a little is this a little fascist or is it just me i i feel like i feel like a lot of this kind of like world built intended to be a series from the beginning thing lives and dies on its world and its characters and this builds an okay world, but realistically gives us, like, super bare-bones actual world building because it just kind of, like, tries to slot in its rules to an existing world. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it and, read everything about, like, modern pop culture in the modern age and, like, when was this written? Like, 2005? And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, but mm-hmm. this is Greek god stuff, that's Greek god stuff, over here is Greek monster stuff, this is Greek god stuff. That's, yeah. you know, it's... At some point, it said, "I swear to God, this book said George Washington was a son of Athena." And it I did. like real. It did I, set, say that. I, I set my phone down. I'm reading it on my phone. I'm just like, I need to take a break from this. Is that that, that has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever fucking read? Yeah, George Washington, known to be not actually a very good strategist, 
<laughs> the vast majority of, of the effective strategies employed by the Revolutionary Army were not carried out by George Washington, who generally just tended to lose and retreat from basically every battle um, until Lafayette and uh, von Steuben were brought in to actually teach the American troops how to, you know, function as an army. So this is like what I was saying about, like, it is, it's like it's written from the perspective of a sixth grader. It yeah. has like, it's it's not written like a sixth grader wrote it. It's, you know, written fairly well and, you know, laid out pretty firmly. But like, it has the worldview and like the understanding of all of uh, history and society of a sixth grader. Yeah. That's a fair I, point. I'm, as, and I say that as someone who did enjoy it for what it was, but like, it is very much... It is very much a world constructed, like yeah, for a sixth grader in the year two thousand four or five, because yeah. it feels rather I mean, dated now. Yeah, I I looked it up actually. It it came out in two thousand five, and like, yeah, it 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 feels like it. Um, honestly, the the other thing I wanted to say was, like I said, it lives and dies on its uh, world and its characters, and honest to God. I don't know that there was a single interesting character in this book. <laughs> I, except Percy's mom. Yeah, like, Percy's mom was so tragic. <laughs> yeah, but the but the thing is, she wasn't one dimensional like yeah. basically every other character. <laughs> yeah, and we, we, the, we the saw one, this in like okay, the, you know what in the no, camp the one like bit in of the dimension different... I'll see for I, I'll say for Percy is at the end he did make a conscious decision to let his mom save herself yeah, rather than solve like her problems that. for her. That is an interesting and mature decision that gave a little bit of dimensionality to his character. But otherwise it's just like, Oh, I got told I'm the chosen one. And I guess I kind of am because I, I'm just like, I'm just good at everything I want to do. I, I out battled, uh, Ares, the God of war. It's like, okay, bud. You had like <laughs> a month of training, not mm -hmm. even, you had like a, a week and or even, two of training and and even the character depth moment you described is like where he was just like no i can't just kill this guy for my mom's sake i have to have her kill him <laughs> yeah and she, she has to be the one it to do within it like a week <laughs> yeah yep. like didn't really think about it very long yep which to be fair he deserved it, but yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> he fucking deserved well, he was it. Well, like the most cartoonishly awful stepdad. He was. Yeah, Gabe yeah, Ugliano, who definitely tried to fuck his grief counselor. Um, he definitely did fuck his grief counselor. Yeah. I, I this dude is tried weed to, to 14-year-olds. Okay. Yeah, and I, know, I have a lot of thoughts about how it portrayed the media hunt for Percy Jackson. It was just very silly. Very yeah. silly. I'm I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest here. The fact that one runaway kid who may have caused the disappearance of his mother and destroyed his stepdad's Camaro, that's not national I know, fucking the, news. The, and he's the idea not that there going... was a national manhunt for this kid as a fugitive, I'm yeah. just like, literally who would care? Oh <laughs> he's my a twelve year old. <laughs> yeah. Like and like realistically, why would Gabe be calling for this manhunt for him like Gabe he's doesn't gone. want him back and he knows that percy can't pay to replace the camaro so getting him back is just like cool yeah what, what are you gonna do you're gonna give him a wedgie <laughs> you're gonna make him man? bring you snacks for a wedgie like 
I mean, I guess you could argue that he wanted to find Percy so that he could find Percy's mom and have her come back. But also, like, that yeah. seems... I'm not clear on his motivations. His motivation is to be the villainous stepdad. Yeah. That's that's all it is. I mean, his name's Gabe Ugliano, for fuck's sake. Oh, I know. I know. It's... That's, that's going to be the name of my next uh, D&D character. <laughs> Barbarian. Gabriel yes. Ugliano. Uh, like, oh, yeah, God. So I, where I we left... So where... Yeah, where we last left them, they were... They, they had been in a bus accident because the Furies attacked them and Percy temporarily killed the Furies and caught the bus on fire. And he was seen carrying some kind of blurry metal thing. Uh, it was so fucking stupid. The fact that the magic to disguise it is like, oh, well, you can't see the sword, so it just looks like a blurry piece of metal. Like, Okay, so well, I yeah, guess that there's was a, a sword national manhunt going on in the world where there's so much hand-waving about like, oh yeah, but normal people can't see that. They can't see yeah. that it's a sword. Yeah, they can't see that it's a sword, and they can see Ares, the god of war, basically exactly as he is, just like, not with fiery eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Christ. My mom's gone from this world, but if she's anywhere, she's in the underworld. I'll do it. You will? Yeah, I'll do it. Not cause my dad needs me. He's been less a dad and more absentee. But if my mom's alive, that's where she's bound to be. I'm leaving now, I better pack. Katie took my mom, I'm taking her back. So what if no one's come back from the underworld? I'll be the first. And I'll be the second first. No, <laughs> Rover, I can't ask you to come. You're my best friend, dude. So don't get mad, but I suspect you'll need protecting when things get bad. And this kicking quest may be the best chance I've had to put my past behind me. So if you haven't guessed, I'm coming on your killer quest. So, so Percy, Percy Jackson, uh, the bastard son of Poseidon, uh, has teamed up with his best friend who's a satyr and a girl who's a daughter of Athena who's uh, smart and kicks people in the nuts, I guess, or whatever, um, to That's go travel, acro travel across the country to enter the underworld located in L.A. to reclaim uh, Zeus's lightning bolt to clear his name as the thief of it and avert, uh, you know, a world war. That, that plot in and of itself is stupid because it still doesn't make sense to me how him returning it proves that he didn't steal it. As yeah, opposed to them be... just being like, well, he didn't even know that this existed at the time. Mm -hmm. So, so of course he didn't steal it. Yeah. And like, and why, why did they not question any of the other kids who were actually there? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, um, one who's the child of the God of Thieves and one... <laughs> who is, you know, the who has the ability to turn invisible? Yeah. Maybe question them the most. <laughs> yeah, does it? I mean, also, it's the, the gods here. Like, can't they see in the past at all? Like, I'm sure Percy has the alibi for where he was that weekend where they took a fucking field trip to heaven. In fact, Grover yeah. and Chiron know where he was because they were in charge of watching him. Yeah, and also, the fucking the lead daughter of Ares at Camp Half-Blood, who was also there, suddenly has a spear that does, like, electricity shit. I, 
I'll be honest, if I didn't already I didn't know because I watched bits and pieces of the movie and also they made it painfully obvious who stole the thing, um, if I didn't already know that, whenever her spear, like, shocked him, that would have been my first fucking thought. It would have been like, oh, okay, she stole it because it's a crazy well, powerful weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, I guess, like, oh, I thought you meant, like, because she was the daughter of Ares, that, like, because Ares' hat was in possession of the lightning spear it was like all of his kids get like extra enchantments yeah or that like they get additional lightning damage to all weapons <laughs> yeah i don't while, know while he possesses it that actually the... would have been kind of cool but you know what would have been even cooler if what? a child of hephaestus stole it and they stole it so that hephaestus could break it down and make it like unable to be used by mortals yeah yeah, or yeah. maybe, like, you know, just do it, even just to fuck with Zeus for, like, throwing him off the mountain <laughs> to become mangled. Yeah. That's the weird thing. You know, a good my knowledge of My knowledge of the myth, so this book posits that Hephaestus is ugly because Zeus threw him off Mount Olympus and that crippled him. Okay, one, him being crippled doesn't make him ugly. The the My knowledge of the myth, which, I mean, has 400 different versions, but the version I have heard the most is that one he came out ugly yeah and that pissed off hera because he is the only direct child of both hera and zeus and no fucking son of mine's gonna be a two out of ten no and it pissed off hera so much because it was like this is like emblematic of their marriage and she's the goddess of marriage that she threw him off mount olympus that's the one i heard too that's that's the one i mostly know but i guess you know i guess we can't make hera the scariest, most villainous motherfucker in in Greek myths, which is what she kind of is. Kind of yeah, later on, she becomes exactly that. Like she has it out for Percy later in later books. She would be the villain. She yeah, she should, but but not the direction. She wants in. to kill all half bloods because her husband started the idea of it, and more half bloods existing means uh, it you know, keeps that as a viable option in, in Zeus's mind. And, oh, well, Percy exists, so if Percy still exists, Zeus is going to want to have that, like, half-blood arms race with Poseidon, so obviously it's going to prompt him to have more affairs. So she's got to kill Percy to, mm-hmm. to stop that. Ah, uh, but that would imply sex. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, that's right. Percy was conceived because uh, his mother was swimming in the ocean one time and some sea foam suddenly got her pregnant. <laughs> that honestly would have been yeah Hera being the villain trying to get rid of half-bloods would have been way cooler and I say this as someone who actually enjoyed this but yeah I mean there so. were parts of this I did enjoy there were interesting parts of it like there's a uh, the scene in the water park is pretty fucking neat yeah um, uh, but yeah so well, let's they get just, down into the continuity yeah. of it they just uh, Percy just killed his math teacher for the second time the classic uh, adolescent fantasy, and uh, escaped from a a bus that crashed, and nobody was hurt. He's got a little bit of like luck divinity protection around him. Like there's no, there is no collateral in these big fights. Yeah, all. there, yeah, there really isn't. Um, yeah, so they they get off the bus and they walk. They just walk down the New Jersey Turnpike and get to uh, Madame M's or like Granny M's. Or, no, Auntie, Auntie M's. M. Auntie M's Hall of Gnomes. Yeah, you ain't in Kansas anymore, kid. Because <laughs> this lady is Middle Eastern, they think. Yeah, and they'd be they... like, oh, she looks Middle Eastern, but I can only tell because she's, like, veiled. Yeah. She's 
this was like a woman in a niqab mm-hmm. yeah i guess yeah well not not even just a niqab because her eyes were covered too yeah she had oh. that God but, Christ. But, yeah. So and, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a child of post 9-11 America. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's a burqa then? Um, Most likely yeah. compared to? I don't know. I've, Most I should have seen the movie. To... How was this portrayed in the movie, I wonder? Um, probably not well. Yeah, probably not well. If I had my, to guess. My guess is... My guess is might not have even gone with Middle Eastern. Might have just gone with, like, I don't know what. Suddenly shape-shifted into Medusa. Um yeah, at that point, they have CG. In books, you have to imagine things. I will say this. I know that Medusa is in the movie because I remember the, like, end of the movie being Gabe opening up the refrigerator to get more beer and getting turned to stone by Medusa's head. So in the movie, they killed him in the same way. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know very little about the movie. I know I've seen a, a decent bit of the first movie and, like, most of the second movie. Um, they had a second movie? They did have a second movie with Percy's Wait, really? like, half-brother, who was a cyclops, uh, and used sunglasses to disguise himself uh, because the bridge of the sunglasses covers up his uh, covers up his eye, which means he can't fucking see. Because it's not like it's covering a third eye, it's covering his only eye. Get some visor shades. <laughs> Get some big, like, wide, like, single glass piece, like, sci-fi visor shades. That's so a- that's what you could do, but that's not what the costuming department did. I didn't know they made the Sea of Monsters. They I didn't did like make the, the Sea of Monsters, and I remember it being okay. Okay. Wow. I mean, it was probably wildly different, but um, but we're 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 doing a like slight version of the Odyssey here. Um, yes. But yeah. So they defeat Medusa after you know having some burgers and fries and everything because she's got a fast food counter back there for some reason. Yeah. I guess it's just like. She, have she you guys never ex- been to a garden supply store? Jesus Christ. They always have snack bars. <laughs> yeah, I, I got the impression it was like trying to be a, like, you know, when you're on the highway and there's nothing else around and suddenly there's like a, a store that also has food like or a farm mm-hmm. stand that, yeah, we have. No, I've definitely, Gatorade. I've definitely uh, been at a very specific stop along a highway that was, um, like a lighter museum slash snack bar. It was neat. Sorry, a museum for lighters, like Zippos. <laughs> yeah, a museum for a, a museum, just like the largest collection of Zippos in the U.S. or some shit. Damn, that sounds That's cool as hell. <laughs> it, yeah. it was neat. It was neat. Um, I remember there being a lot of like racist merchandise there, though. So. Uh, <laughs> because it's a truck you stop. You don't and... say. A truck stop Zippo museum. Yeah. It was neat. It it was it was an interesting museum that I wouldn't want to spend any more time in. Um, uh, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah. So they. Oh, she does say like, oh, I have this so that um, or, or I, you know, I want to make sure that people are happy whenever I take their picture. Hmm. Um, so because I can never quite get the faces of my statues right. Uh, like, okay, all right sure medusa has been running this like topiary garden supply and sculptures business for how long now like and they just happen to come across her this isn't one of like the monsters track them down but like they just yeah, ran yeah, into this, just just, run into this is just medusa's like small business they run I into a lot say, of monsters by accident i 
and by directly ignoring Grover and his monster sense. Like, he outright says many times in this book, hey, there's monsters around, and Percy's just like, I don't give a shit what you have to say. You're probably just wrong. It's like... At one point, maybe they maybe they have they go an along enchanted for a while item and they, that was they, just like the monster energy comes off the enchanted item and it like scrambles them. But like I don't know. they they straight up at one point they're in St. Louis at the fucking gateway arch, um, and and it's just like, oh, I smell monsters, but also we're underground, so I always smell monsters underground. It's like, well, that's fucking a weird <laughs> detail. Why don't we expand on that? I guess not though. Um, and, and then it's just the like, moment. yeah, but it's like, I really smell monsters. We should leave. And Percy's just like, nah, I don't feel like it. Plus, uh, Annabeth is like really invested in the Gateway Arch because she wants to construct national monuments. <laughs> um, and it's like, and then Percy fights a chimera and like <laughs> goes over to Grover and it's like, hey, why didn't you warn me about the monster? Like. He did. He did. He did though. He, he did. He did though, and you Wait. refused to leave. Also, am I stupid? It said he always sends his monsters underground, but they were at the arch at St. Louis. Like, isn't yeah. that most they, notably above ground? <laughs> they were in the like little museum walkway underneath it. Um, okay. I guess. It's not that. Oh, because it goes. I Wait, does it go? The gateway arch. I'm sorry, but like. <laughs> It's one of the most dog shit national monuments we have, that's for sure. Oh, it's not a national monument anymore. It's a national park now, against the wishes of the Department of the Interior, and specifically the people who work at the St. Louis Arch, at the the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. Uh, But, but, but yeah, our former, our former Commander in Cheeto, he, he used an executive order to declared a national park presumably just so that he had his name on the declaration of a national park um so what did he like, want it to be named like the the trump national park probably no just so that he can say he he made a new national park he um, made a new national park his shit was already there yes <laughs> it was it's already there and also he sold off land, land rights business he also fucking sold off land rights for a large portion of the national parks including land that was within the parks to like resort developers before being straight up told uh no you actually can't do that as president that land is officially protected you can't sell that off um you can't declare eminent domain over a national park that's part of why the national park system exists um granted it also exists because of eminent domain um but but yeah no he declared it a national park which also means that it has different requirements in its upkeep and operation than it had as a national monument, which is which are completely incongruous to its entire function. Like, they need to be trained and shit on, like, managing the wildlife and ecology of a monument. The fucking with, like, pigeons. Yeah, it's, it's fucking stupid. It's so stupid, Speak- and I hate the Gateway Arch because of it. Because it's just like, well, now it's a bullshit national park. It shouldn't exist. It Well, not not it shouldn't exist, but it shouldn't be a national park. And when even the Department of the Interior says it shouldn't be a national park, but we can't change its classification without a new executive order, it's it's so fucking ridiculous. Um, so I'm glad Percy accidentally melted a hole in the side of it. Yeah. Wait, was he the one that did that? I thought a monster blew a fireball at it or something. A monster they, did uh... blow a fireball at it. Um they because they encounter uh echidna the mother of all monsters and they're like i and they're like echidna like knuckles sonic's (laughs) friend and she's like no fuck that a 
I'll be a hundred percent honest. I, oh, that's right. Yeah. So they, so they go through the thing with Medusa and then they just go for a while and, uh, discover a packing slip at Medusa's place for like one, the mailing address of Mount Olympus and to the mailing address of the underworld. Um, I thought that was clever. I mean, it is a garden store in buttfuck nowhere. She's just intercepting mail between no, uh, Olympus and the underworld. She's sending statues to the underworld mm-hmm. because oh, we need Hades to reinforce comes. that uh, Hades is definitely a villain. Hades is definitely a villain. It's like, he's not, though. because uh, He just likes statues. Realistically, because what, because I'd be more inclined to believe that it was Persephone of, like, who was accepting those statues. What? I'd be more inclined to believe that it was Persephone accepting those statues. Probably. We meet her in another book. Probably. In the movie, we meet her it, uh, in here. I, I only know this because I was looking up when the movie happened um, and saw that apparently Rosario Dawson played Persephone. Yeah, it was Rosario Dawson. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they then meet up with a poodle that that Grover talks to, and they turn it in to its owners and get the, like, multi-thousand dollar reward. <laughs> Which they used to buy Greyhound tickets and some and some. Uh, no, it was Amtrak. Oh, it, I remember. Yeah. I, I remember specifically, like I took a note in my in my notes. It was just like, oh yeah, is Amtrak selling cross country railroad tickets to dirty children in cash? Okay, yeah, that's know, right. I and then they stop it. over in St. Louis for a little bit, and Annabeth is just like, hey. Athena is also the goddess of architecture. I want to be a grand architect and make things like like the Gateway Arch. Let's go to the Gateway Arch, gang. And it's like, yeah, sure. We don't have anything else to do for the next three hours. Sure. It's like, you know, the the arch is like an engineering feat for sure. But I don't know if I would say architectural. It doesn't look like much, you know. It's not like particularly complicated shapes. It's I mean, an engineering feat for sure. It's, I mean, I think it kind of melds that line between architecture and engineering because realistically i think a good bit of that line is already pretty blurred um oh yes but also i don't know i am you know, not a it's... fan of large minimalistic structures i haven't thought even the about chicago the gateway bean. arch in like 15 years i always think about the chicago bean though <laughs> yeah i want to flick that bean <laughs> so just so they get all greased up and climb over it <laughs> I want to jump into it like Super Mario and go into like a different world, and it's like pop pop pop. I mean, I yep. believe one of the most famous places to take pictures is inside it, um, mm-hmm. where it looks like yeah. yeah. I think Sarah has a picture uh, of her in it. But you know Chicago. what we should do though? We should take some of the uh, incredibly black paint that that same artist made <laughs> yes. and paint over the entire thing with it. Yep. Ooh, Vanta black. Vanta black. And then the guy who made a darker shade of black, but refute, but said anyone can have it except for this fucking guy. Yeah, that was the fucking <laughs> that's so funny. I love anti-elitism in art. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't happen often, especially not at a big scale. <laughs> so, so they end up at the Gateway Arch, and I, yeah. I just, they, I think, you know. Annabeth did like kind of pull. Lady with a chihuahua. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, and it's not a chihuahua; it's a chimera. A yes. joke which I'm sure worked so much better spoken. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, written out, it's still, it's... I don't, wait, what's even the joke spoken just that, out loud? Just like, that that's chihuahua not a chihuahua, chimera, that's a chimera. Chimera, chihuahua, 
They're like kind of similar, kind of. They're like a wobbly slant rhyme. Yeah. I don't know. It's. Oh, sorry. Jumping back to mm-hmm. um, the Medusa scene. One thing, a couple things that I just found very interesting. Where first of all, her head didn't. Her head doesn't evaporate into dust like most monsters because once you sever it, it's a spoil of war. Like the Minotaur's horn. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, there are there are loot drops in this world. <laughs> just, just also, so... what determines that? Is it just the? Is it like the utility of it? Is it that like you want it? Because like if I cut, you know, a centaur's balls. Can I just have those as earrings? What are we talking about here? So my understanding from that was just that it was broken off before the thing was killed or as it was killed. So technically, yeah, you could. Um, but also, I don't know, maybe maybe Minotaur Horn is like a spoil of war because you can grind it up and snort it and you just get like really battle horny. <laughs> yeah, you can, they sell it at like the skeeziest... Uh... It's the skeeziest corner stores, right next to like Rhino Force Plus. They've got powdered Minotaur horn, and then you see a commercial about like the horrors of the Minotaur horn trade, just like making them endangered and all for, you know, shipping dick pills to Malaysia. These beautiful creatures on the brink of extinction. I mean, I hear uh, half blood. I hear Minotaur horn is a serious problem at Half Blood University. They're all doing. They're all ripping lines of ground-up Minotaur horn. It's insane. You know the real problem though, pixie dust. <laughs> pixie dust. <laughs> oh yep. no, they're lacing pixie dust with fentanyl. It's all fucked. Yep. So, so anyway, back to our back to uh, Echidna, who really doesn't like being compared to the marsupial or monotreme. But... I hate Australia. <laughs> yeah. I would think that a mythological creature whose whole deal is making creatures would love Australia. I would think right? that they were intimately involved with Australia. <laughs> that, yeah, who yeah. do you think created the echidna? The, the the woman echidna was like making a horrible creature, and she's like, "I'm going to give this motherfucker the nastiest penis imaginable." <laughs> and then they and then they put him in Sonic the Hedgehog and named it after her. And she's like, "No, his name is." Ezekiel, I don't know what you name him. <laughs> you name a fucking nasty Echidnas little don't rat. even have Echidnas don't even have knuckles. <laughs> they just found any random varmint. And that's who Knuckles was. It's true. So. I am kind of surprised that there was never a groundhog in Sonic. There must have been, are you kidding me? I mean maybe in the comics, I guess. Mm-hmm. Groundhog, anyway. Groundhogs are boring. Mm. But anyway, now, um, I, I guess. now you got me about that. Now you got me thinking about that Sally Acorn. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Echidna's uh, Chihuahua Chimera uh, breathes fire and melts a hole in the side of the gateway arch. 
and so Percy jumps through it and into the Mississippi River, um, and is and survives because um, oh was it a naiad that rescued him? It I was, think it was a naiad. I was just oh no, a narrate, a narrate, not a naiad. Yes, and. But he is, yeah, he is able to Come breathe on, underwater. Dude. He does discover yes. that ability. He discovers a lot of abilities as the plot demands. But um, Yeah, the, the fact that he never at any other point learned that he could breathe underwater after going to the, going to the seaside basically every year since he was born seems wild Also, if me. I found out that I was the son of Poseidon, that is the very first thing I would imagine I could do. Yep. I would yeah. have tested that out right away. There's a big yeah, especially camp. since you're at like half blood, camp half blood where you can recover from like most injuries. Uh, local uh, boy fugitive Percy Jackson found drowned in a five gallon <laughs> bucket of water. Also, apparently he can't get wet unless he wants to be. That's a legitimate superpower. The idea yeah. that like you fall into a body of water and you come out dry. Holy shit! I was really thinking hard about that one. Yeah, but like, also, how does he, how did he never discover that one either? Yeah, how did he never, like, spill something on himself and it just slides off? Yeah, because, like, it's not that he has to want to not get wet. He has to want to get wet. He's dry by default. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess it never rains in New York. He's never taken a shower before. (laughs) Well, I mean, sixth graders. Okay, that's the the context where you want to get wet. I guess that's true. Or or the power just didn't click on until later when he realized he was half blown. Oh but yeah, maybe it happened when Poseidon about, like, like claimed him. But that would have been a great little like hint about like who was his dad or something. Where like one of the kids at his like normal child school is just like they're all running through the rain together to get to the museum at the beginning of the book, and they're just like, "Ugh, I'm all wet." Percy, how are you dry? And he's like, "I don't know. I guess I just ran faster than you." And they're like, "I don't understand. This boy never gets rained on." Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he gets caught in there and the narrate is just like hey um i came to rescue you your mom's not dead also like some shit's going down i can't stay though because the this river is too polluted and i gotta go bye also he sees a giant catfish just a truly enormous catfish and then it's just kind of like oh and he sees a he's he sees like a family of centaurs at one point out the train window yeah, and what i can only assume is the nemean lion maybe because he sees like a giant golden lion and that's the only that's the only mythological creature i can think of for being there at least from greek mythology you know what i love that concept though of like once you're actually hip to the concepts of like the greek gods and stuff you can like see just normal monsters around in the environment mm-hmm. but, i like that. uh that was a really cool little detail in the background of a lot of, um, I think his name is Zach Morrison's webcomic, Paranatural, where, like, oh, yeah. once you become, like, a, uh, you know, a spooky spirit specters kid, you just see that the world is, like, full of different weird little critters and strange phantoms sliding around everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the world is just full of, like, bizarre little, you know, Richard Scary cartoons. Yeah. That's a good webcomic. I need to get back to it at some point. They had a bit recently where it was just, like, a like a short story you had to read in text with some pictures on it. And I'm just, and, and it's already inside a protracted flashback. And I'm just like, I'm not going to read all this, but, but I have but never heard of it. 
Oh, it's oh, it's uh, called Paranatural. It kicks ass. Mm -hmm. If you uh, start it and you'll like look at the art and be like, oh wow, great art, and then you go back to be like, well, I want to, I want to read it from the beginning, and you go back to page one and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. It, oh my god, this sucks. It, ev <laughs> it evolves, much like Gunner Creek know. Court. Have a good one. But, yeah. um, um, so but they're, yeah. they're on the train. Yeah. Then they get back on the train and head to and head to Denver, and they run into Ares. This this biker man pulls up to to the diner they're at Such on, fucking pussies. on a fucking motorcycle with a seat made of human skin yum specifically caucasian human skin um and just like comes in and is just like hey fuck you i'm your uncle go do this thing for me that's what I, that's how i am with my nieces and nephews <laughs> pretty much <laughs> sounds like a normal family interaction to me i don't know what you're talking about and as I, I believe have, like, the only uncle of the three of us <laughs> i'm just not gonna comment if i'm ever the uncle to like a 12 year old i'm for sure gonna be like hey here's here's 20 bucks like go run out of the corner store and get a get me a pack of cigs and he's like what and be like yeah they totally used to do this back in like the 70s old people cannot stop talking about how they used to do this and then just like get that phone and then just like listen to my sister like get the phone call that he's been picked up by the cops and i'm like ha, 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 smoked yep that's what kind of uncle i'm gonna be good to know good to know um, so, and percy wants to punch aries the entire conversation and i don't blame him yeah and you know what i i do kind of like um i kind of like this idea that gets introduced of aries has this aura around him mm -hmm. of making you feel more violent i think that's cool i think yeah. that's an interesting thing um I will say I don't I, understand I did... how the hell Aphrodite has been dating him for millennia. Because it's like, yeah, I get it. Mythologically, Aphrodite has a thing with Ares because he's like this powerful, like muscular god of war. It's like, okay, one, Ares has always been canonically kind of a pussy. And two, how do you not get bored with him? After that amount of time, like she, clearly she has, she has multiple children with other, with plenty of mortals. So. Yeah, that's true. She she's certainly she's does. already moved on from Hephaestus. Oh, Ares yeah. is already the side piece. And, Hephaestus and has, has multiple not kids too. He does, but he but has you, not moved on. But you, you know what? It's just occurred to me that like these sorts of mythologies culturally are just ancient uh, shipping fandoms for abstract concepts of the world. It's true. You know it's what? A, I'm just now realizing the reason why they have children of Aphrodite and Hephaestus but don't have Aphrodite and Hephaestus split up is because they couldn't do he couldn't do that world building of well yeah I mean Aphrodite and Hephaestus were doomed from the start obviously they've gotten a divorce in the last couple thousand years but like yeah, realistically once, once humans legalize yeah. no fault divorce Aphrodite and Hephaestus totally just split yeah cuz it's like okay one they're kind of siblings, kind of not really. Aphrodite is kind of his aunt, because she's not technically a daughter of Zeus. She's technically she a daughter of Kronos. She came from Seafoam caused by Kronos's uh, severed ball sack. Oh, that's not. I didn't know that. Oh wait, no, no, wait. I thought it was. Was that Uranus? I think it was. I think it was from. Uranus I, th I thought it was someone else. Um, but yeah, either way, balls got thrown in the ocean. And the Everyone's from balls the are constantly getting thrown in the ocean. Because it, it does like vary that. at times whether 
uh, Aphrodite is even technically a goddess or if she's actually a titan. Huh, I didn't know that. I forgot. Huh. Yeah. Hmm, like how interesting. Like how Helios is technically a god, but also kind of not, kind of half titan, because um, he's the son of Hyperion, who is definitely a titan. Um, Things get uh, a little yeah. wonky. <laughs> yeah. It's almost it's... like it was a uh, mythology that was constantly iterated on in a in two societies that were predominantly oral history focused. Realistically, you know, one over much the more than the like... other because Rome was way more written history than mm. Greece was. Yeah, mythology over the course of like, you know, 2000 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's had to go through several iterations as it is made more or less digestible for children. Yes. <laughs> yeah, filtered through so heavily filtered through um like american cultural identity yeah and then also it's for kids and like i'm sorry we can keep the story of uh of prometheus roughly the same but but we have to alter like oh well i mean there's there's not there's not that much sex in greek and roman mythology like sorry what that's, that's like, all there was. <laughs> yeah, that's like 80% of it. But, oh, it's okay to have a story about how a guy who brought us, like, metalworking and fire and the knowledge that we didn't have to sacrifice the best parts of our animals for the gods uh, is tied to a rock and just has his liver eaten out every single day for the rest of eternity. That's fine to keep in. And that's this a good statement most... on American uh, media. Yeah. Yeah, it's so violent, but this is also the most sexless possible depiction of the Greek pantheon there is. And yeah. um, I, I, the entire time I was waiting for somebody to drop, like, oh yeah, Prometheus, he was there with Oppenheimer in uh, the Manhattan Project. <laughs> he was working on that. That's the thing. No, Prometheus wouldn't have been Hephaestus, maybe. But not Prometheus. Prometheus was, like, distinctly pro-humanity and was, like all on board with just like helping humanity that's part of why zeus fucking hated him okay well that's a okay well that's a fresh read no i think there's a good fresh read on uh prometheus there where like you know humans have fire you know these days but like fire as we understand it is like a tiny 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 little sliver of the real fire that prometheus gave to humanity and that real fire like the 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 core like the true fire that shit was nuclear annihilation. And so then the gods did have to be like, stop, stop doing that. Don't do that. And then uh, Oppenheimer quoted the shit I can't pronounce. This is a total aside. Do you see the yeah. fucking, uh... never mind. I remember I got pissed off very recently because someone was like, well, Einstein created the nuclear bomb. Like, no, 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 he didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, he didn't. Einstein hated it and never wanted it used for that. Einstein did not make the nuclear bomb. Einstein did not work with the Manhattan Project. People are. He, what, did he even do nuclear physics at all? I don't think that was his bit. You know. I mean, it gets a little it gets a little hazy because he did do a lot of things with high energy physics and um and like stellar mechanics and with uh, particle physics. So like there are there are things in there that can be tied to his work. But overall, no, it was not. He he did not have anything to do really with the Manhattan Project, um, and was tr they attempted to recruit him for it, and he was not a fan of that. Wow, I wonder why you know. I I wonder I wonder why this uh, German Jewish scientist 
would have a problem creating a massively powerful weapon of war in the 40s. I wonder. Because yeah. the American government was like, no, we're trying to fight the Nazis. We're not like that. And he's like, uh-huh. Yeah, I, yeah, we're not like them at all. Don't look at the internment camps. Don't do that. Where do you think they got the damn ideas? Yeah. That's all the shit. They were just like, oh, fucking, you know, 1930s, like, German fascists were just like, oh, man, did you check out what the Americans did with uh, eugenics? That's crazy. Yep. All right. Write yeah. that down. Write that down. Yeah. Ugh. So. Write that down. Let's talk about Werner von Braun and how he's the epitome of an amoral scientist. <laughs> oh, once the rockets go up, I don't care where they come down. That's not my department. Cool. Good job, bud. <laughs> Sounds great. great. Good job compartmentalizing. Western civilization. Hey, everybody, it's Western civilization. This is what we're fighting to protect in Percy Jackson. <laughs> I, oh, man. In the world of Percy Jackson, I guarantee you Werner von Braun was a child of Hephaestus. Or Ares or something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> so, so they're on their way to Denver, and they decide. Henry to... Kissinger was for. You know, okay, Henry Kissinger was for sure a child of Hades. Hades broke the pact, and that's how. And that's how Henry Kissinger to this fucking day will not die. <laughs> yeah, Betty White too. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. I'm. I'm going to get a bottle of champagne. I'm like, because uh, Bob Dole just died. And Ooh, so now yeah. I'm thinking about like, oh yeah, that can happen, can't it? I'm like, I'm thinking about. I'm I did not Bob a... Dole. I did not know Bob Dole just died. Yeah, that's Bob that's Dole. a Bob Dole, like just I like just saw that today. Ay. But that's but Bob Dole is no Henry Kissinger. I'll say that. No, but, um, few are people thought. Yeah, people I'm, thought I'm he was. I'm really uh... thinking about like I'm going to have a Henry Kissinger party. And we're gonna watch all of the episodes of Venture Brothers with Henry Killinger, and. Uh, Und my, my magic mother bag. Engineering and custodial super science unions. I've read your list of grievances and am prepared to make you a very generous offer on behalf of Venture Industries. Who the hell are you? Killinger. Dr. Henry Killinger. And this is my magic murder bag. Well, gentlemen, we have a deer on the table. What do you say? Any takers? <laughs> People right. said he was the Antichrist. But anyway, we're on our we're on our way to Denver, and it's time to I am a goddess. Send me on the way. Yeah, that's one thing that dated it so much. Was like that sucked so bad. We're gonna we're gonna do an I am an instant message. No fool, an iris message. Yeah. Oh. yeah. They, they communicate back to Camp Half Blood through the use of a fucking car wash mister. Yep. And the goddess of rainbows. Yep. It's great. And they... So I'm sorry. Like, I get maybe she was a bit of the messenger of the gods, but you know who was the real messenger of the gods? Fucking Hermes. Hermes. That's I thought that too. I was just like, ooh, stealing someone's fucking lunch over here? Messenger for the gods? All right. Like, what else also, does Hermes have to trouble. do besides father I mean, a bunch of kids he doesn't want? Like, Hermes has... Steal shit, I guess. Hermes has that shipping company that's mentioned offhand in Medusa's shop and then doesn't get anything. And I distinctly remember in the movie that shipping company appearing like Hermes was played by Nathan Fillion and he worked the front and he worked the front desk at a FedEx, branded FedEx, and like took them through the back room and it was just like fucking infinitely long shipping warehouse where he was managing shipping for everything in the entire world. Wow. Hermes on. I don't know. Is that anything? Let's workshop that. Hermes on. 
<laughs> so fucking uh Luke appears in this message. So I guess they Yeah. Luke, so I guess they Luke I guess they compartmentalized. The oh sorry, what were you saying, Jane? I guess they compartmentalized that like Hermes does logistics and shipping, but Iris is now just on communications. I guess. That's yeah. it. Busy world. <laughs> yeah. They they talk to Iris Luke. is the switchboard operator. Operator, please hold. <laughs> like in a rainbow. Oh god. I'm actually imagining like wires changing but they're fiber optic cables doing different combinations of uh wavelengths of light <laughs> the, the wires are all different colors that make yes. them <laughs> i love that actually i wish i could draw that <laughs> um i'm sorry sir you're gonna have to speak clearly into the receiver no, no hades isn't taking like any calls today ladies, hades is very busy i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry honey that phone number's been discontinued I can't connect your call because we're out of 440 nanometer uh, cables. Tartarus is no longer in service. Uh, what? Hold on. What color is 440 nanometers? You'd be like, oh, I, I might be thinking of 4400. Oh, no. 440 is uh, that the barrier between blue and violet. So, roughly indigo. Cool. Hey, uh, I remembered a, a physics thing. Fuck and, indigo. And... Who even knows what an indigo is? Nobody. No way. I mean, there is genuinely a lot of debate about what qualifies as indigo scientifically. Because they taught us Roy G. Biv, but like, who codified that? Like, why is that a real thing? It's a. There's more colors than that. Who decided that there's seven colors? Yeah. Um. But. Bullshit, too. But yeah, they they communicate to Luke that like shit's weird, and he's like, "Do you have the? Do you have? Do you have the? The." Fucking the the sandals. Do you have the do you have the winged boots? Do you have the winged boots? Are you using them? Sure. Put them on. Put them on. Yeah, and it's like, all right, bud. We already know because the oracle's message that you shouldn't trust the gifts. Like it's painfully fucking clear that this is what she's talking about. But no, nah, 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 nah. nah. Why? Why would Luke? Why would Luke be doing anything wrong ever? And he's the friendly older boy at the camp full of preteens mm. yeah i did not think about that as i was saying it um but you know what i'm gonna stand behind it because it should still be a red flag yep. why and... is this 19 year old uh like totally chill with a 12 year old girl having a crush on him that's fucking weird and gross i mean he might not know <laughs> he fucking knows okay but Based I mean, on the it? interactions they have in canon, he fucking knows. Yeah. And, like, I... it's not like there hasn't been time for him to say, hey, um, it'd be pretty inappropriate. You are too young for me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, anyway, he's... That's something he's... to ask another counselor. But, yeah. Yeah, he can't Sorry, ask had... yeah. counselor. Yeah. He can't. He's the only because... one. He's the only counselor. Because no I guess other, everyone else really is either dead or just doesn't want to do it. Because mm -hmm. that's summertime. That is summertime that they are there, which is when, like, other... Ha like, maybe there's an adult uh, child of... Uh, fucking... An adult child of Dionysus who'd show up and be like, yeah, I'm going to spend the summer at my dad's... Uh, at my dad's camp being a counselor. Right? I'm going <laughs> to... An adult child of Dionysus comes in and is just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get shit faced with my, I'm gonna get shit faced in front of my dad to to assert <laughs> just to dominance." Rub it in. 
yeah, really, honestly, I would love to read a book about being a counselor at this camp. It would be fucking wild. I'm sure. Fuck, actually, I'd love to see a book written from the perspective of an adult child of Dionysus who comes back to be a counselor, because then you'd have the reverse situation of your parent trying to steal your liquor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. But uh, what did uh you, what did uh, you, at the you camp go out to the garbage describe? cans and count the number of beer cans from last night to this morning? Oh, shit. <laughs> I feel called out. <laughs> Fucking uh, Dionysus had like two like I don't what, chubby little blonde German boys as his kids that were at that camp and like those motherfuckers were blitzed. Absolutely, they were in charge of the strawberry orchards. They just you know they went out there and. Like, mm. found, like dug up their stash and sat back there drinking all day. Yeah, of course. I don't think they needed to dig up their stash. No, probably not. But I, I would wager ch- children of uh, Dionysus, you can just be like, cool, you're going to become drunken fruit on the vine right now. Sure, you're right. They were just walking around eating fermented strawberries. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've actually Googled that it up. That sounds I think fun. It's called, uh, yeah. I'm looking it up. It's called a uh, kvass. Kvass is a traditional fermented Slavic and Baltic beverage commonly made from rye bread. Wait, what am I talking about? Uh, I think we've actually talked about Kvass strawberries before. or raisins or with... I just I'm looked like... up fermented strawberries, but I guess this is a popular fermented strawberry <laughs> thing is Kvass. But like, I'm like 90% imagine, like... sure we've talked about Kvass before. It might... Maybe, oh, like... You know what? It might not have been on the podcast. Dan, I think we talked about Kvass during our uh, Wander Home game. Oh, that would make sense. I think I'm pretty sure we did gonna make this shit in my backyard uh maybe this is like an alcoholics fantasy but imagine like walking through like a strawberry farm and just like you pick one up and you touch it but like you bite into it and it's immediately a jello shot like just permeated through a strawberry is just like see i feel like that'd be an unpleasant texture like you'd have to be very careful picking it up no i would want it to still be firm i love a firm strawberry yeah mushy strawberries no good more good Mm-hmm. For many reasons, yeah, um, I've got Dionysus powers. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> yep. So, so anyway, Luke reveals that um, Camp Half Blood found out about uh, the whole fight, go- the whole feud, and they're taking sides. Yeah, they're taking sides. It's like the Trojan War all over again. Is it though? Is it? Is it really? Is it though? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of the key players in the Trojan War doesn't have any kids there. And it's fucking Hera. And then also Poseidon doesn't have any kids there right now. Pretty <laughs> sure it's not like the Trojan War at all. Yeah, Aphrodite, Ares, and Apollo are backing Poseidon. Athena is backing Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> really? Ares was backing Poseidon? I forgot about that. Yeah, it's really weird. Especially given how well, much Clarice or Clarissa or whatever her name was hated Percy. Maybe you should just hate <laughs> Zeus please. more. I mean, Zeus is kind of a dick, but they all are, so. See, I would think, oh, wait, no, it's because she hates Athena. Athena probably sided with Zeus and against Poseidon, and she's like, well, I want to beat the shit out of the Athena kids. That's fair. From a, like, modern secular perspective on which gods backed which side in the Trojan War, am I to understand that, like, hist- historically the trojans were like uh yeah actually i've got uh these gods on my side and like the opposite side of that was like who the spartans or whatever was just like uh no you don't 
Uh, I have Ares' blessing, idiot. Uh, it was a little bit more muddied than that. Mostly it was that uh, Aphrodite, Athena, and Hera were all super pissed off at Paris of Troy. Because, no, but like, because that, no, that's the mythological perspective, but what's the historical, like, political perspective? Uh, there wasn't on one because Troy didn't exist. Actually, that's not technically true. Oh, Troy really? exists. Yeah, they've, oh yeah, they found Troy a, a while ago, but the war itself is extremely obviously heavily mythologized. I thought that was a, that was okay. my confusion. So I, yeah. from the start, I misunderstood. I thought that there was a real war. There probably was, but happened. it wasn't like that. <laughs> Yeah, I I have heard I have heard it suggested that essentially the story of like the Iliad and the Odyssey and later a bit the Aeneid, but that was from a different culture entirely, um, essentially largely boils down to like practically just a D and D game retelling, because <laughs> like yeah. Homer was not one person, generally thought or is generally thought of as not actually having been one single person uh so a group of storytellers telling this story about high-powered individuals leading armies into a great battle and like dramatically retelling a bunch of crazy shit for entertainment more than anything else yeah sounds like dnd <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah so yeah there's probably a historical kernel but it's like like with the exodus most of it's just myth yeah but anyway. i mean you had i mean you at least had the it was it was the seven uh tribes of israel right 12 12 and they did they they did form a a like single cultural identity around this around this story of the exodus they sure did though there's no record of anywhere near that level of mass enslavement in in egyptian Egypt. record and they were very meticulous note takers <laughs> they were but yeah but that's a whole tangent i could go on i i you sat yeah. in class with don red with don redford he has things to yeah, say about we, it. and we don't tolerate tangents on this year podcast <laughs> no we certainly don't uh, no. but uh especially hey. not when we're uh this interested in a book oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so aries shows up and he's like hey i need you to do shit for me I'll, I'll i'll make sure you can get to la uh if you do this shit for me i left my shield in a water park nearby go get it like, well why couldn't you stay and get it because i couldn't shut up like yep. all right cool and they go there and they find the tunnel of love and they ransack the gift shop and at the tunnel of love they find this overturned swan boat that has Ares's shield and this really nice smelling silk scarf that Percy just like wants to fucking huff. He says he wants to rub it on his cheek and he sees Annabeth looking at. Him. Yeah, and she grabs it and like, don't mess with the love magic. It's like Alright, got it. So fucking Aphrodite has like crazy fucking love magic aura. Just makes She's everyone around her moans. horny all the time. It's She's, she's spreading her moans. <laughs> yeah. Percy got fucking moaned. <laughs> oh. Oh, I guarantee yeah. you there's at least one child of Aphrodite who left Half-Blood, uh, who left uh, Camp Half-Blood and is selling their bath water on the internet. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> 
imagine. Just like, yeah, I didn't get to go on any quests, but I'm more successful than all of you. <laughs> oh man. So they they go down. They just when they're going to get the shield, it's a trap. Because of yeah, course it is. Because a... obviously it is. Yeah, the little golden cherubim fire fire fucking grapple arrows across the thing and create a golden net just after Annabeth finished telling them about the story of one time Dionysus or not Dionysus one time Hephaestus caught Ares and Aphrodite in a golden net it's like all right cool so just happens to be the exact same as the story you just told cool yep but it traps them and and Hephaestus is going live on god tv because have, he thinks he's caught Ares and Aphrodite fucking. It's like, why do you... Why? Why do you need to do that? One, they're not embarrassed about it anymore. They've been hooking up for millennia. And two... Also, yeah, put on a fucking show for the people. Let them see what they're missing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Jesus. And, um, and why would the gods care? They're doing the exact same thing all over the place. But... Also, who's gonna, like, think ill of you you're like the god of war and beauty yep <laughs> like anyone like anyone's gonna talk shit you know what happens when you talk shit on aphrodite you get turned into a swan and pulled apart by fucking lobsters yep. shit like that oh you missed it uh but we were we got to the part where percy finds the scarf and she spread it yeah aphrodite had her moans on on that thing he was just so horny for that scarf mm-hmm. she got moaned mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's why it's why her children like are able to survive by selling their bathwater. Um, <laughs> but God daughters damn. of Aphrodite are just all cam girls nowadays. Mm-hmm. E girls selling bathwater and influencers. Yeah, a lot of makeup t- doing makeup tutorials. I'm trying to yeah. think of a pun involving OnlyFans and Aphrodite, and I just I can't get there. <laughs> Anyway, um, anyway, they're on camera. Yeah, they are. They're on. They're on camera, and fucking Hephaestus doesn't just immediately cut the feed when he realizes it's not them. He's just like, well, might as well get some kind of show out of it, I guess. Uh, what the fuck else is new? Uh, somehow we've actually managed to stumble our way into a Horrorland attraction. <laughs> right? I was going to say, God TV is like a couple channels up from Monster TV <laughs> where they show executions. It really is, because then they go on this, like, crazy ride on this swan boat because Percy just, like... Percy has Grover open the uh, open the valve because this defunct uh, water park is definitely still hooked up to the water lines. By one, like, crank to turn. <laughs> yeah. Um... One crank located at the place they want to be, and already are, not like a master floodgate for the park. Uh, but yeah, they open that, and Percy is just like, and uses crazy water power to blast them. And they ride through this thing, and just at the last second before they're crashed against these giant gates, keeping the tunnel closed, uh, Annabeth uses her knowledge of physics to figure out the exact right time to jump. And, like, I guess she's the daughter of Yeah, we had that at Physics Day at Kennywood. Like, we had to do that. Yeah, yeah. We, we we talked about wanting Physics Day at Monsterland. Here we are. We have Physics Day at, um... I can't remember the water park's name now. Weren't there, like, spiders, too? Like, robot spiders? And she was world. like, oh, fuck. I don't oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so and scared Annabeth of... doesn't like the spiders. <laughs> she doesn't like spiders. It's her one weakness. She doesn't like spiders. 
because oh well once you know arachne challenged uh athena to a weaving contest and athena turned her into a spider and swore that you know she'd kill athena okay yeah. that has nothing to do with hephaestus's robot drones like yeah. at all. nothing at yeah. all oh i remember a really interesting line that was like uh she said like yeah any spider within a mile will know exactly where i am and it's like and i thought there's got to be a spider within 10 feet of you at all times pretty in your whole life right especially at a camp yeah yeah so many spiders or in a defunct water park (laughs) (laughs) like spiders got better things to do i'm sorry honestly like i would rather see them fight like a giant wave of spiders in this defunct water park than have gotten the thing that we just got. Yeah. Like, give us a longer stretch of time where our hyper com- one of our hyper-competent characters is struggling, and the others need to make up for that. Yeah. But, that would... Yeah, take one of them just out of commission for a second. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Out of the rest of them cover. Yeah. But I will say, at least it gave us the moment of, like, yeah, Annabeth is really good at this shit. Maybe you should listen to her more often, Percy. But, I don't know. It, I mean, realistically, we should have already had that and kind of already had that with the Capture the Flag game where it's like, hey, you you put me there so that I'd distract the, the Ares kids so that you could go in and win the thing. Like, yeah, because it's a good strategy. And I knew <laughs> they worked. couldn't kill you. And it worked, uh-huh. so what are you mad about? <laughs> because I did that, your dad noticed you. So, really, you should be thanking me for turning you into bait. And you discovered you have water powers. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, because you stood in a stream and it made you stronger. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but yeah, so they take that back to Ares and are just like, hey, you could have told us it was a fucking trap. And he's just like, yeah, I could have, but I thought this was funnier. Bye. Better get in that, <laughs> yeah. better get in that humane zoo transport uh, 18-wheeler, which... Honestly, when I first read it, I thought it said human zoo transport. And I was ready to believe that that was a thing in some, like, penthouse in Las Vegas. Yeah. Or it was a transport for a human zoo operated by a supernatural creature in Mm -hmm. Las Vegas. Also very believable. They would for sure do that. But no, it was No, but this truck is instead transporting... um, This this truck is transporting the tiger that... Uh, attacked Siegfried and Roy, I guess. Yeah, it's transporting a, bunch a of... lion that they're feeding turnips to, um, a zebra that they're feeding hamburgers to, and some kind of antelope thing that he didn't know the name for. So, like, you got I the think animals it was an food it like, backwards. Maybe like an oryx or a uh, or I a dictic. Yeah, I thought it was an okapi just because um, he said it was weird and didn't know the name. I'm like, okapis are fucking weird, but I don't know. Yeah. It's not a very Aren't humane. Pretty weird too. Aren't what? Be wrong. Orises. I think that's the. Orises. Yeah, they're pretty weird. Orisi. Or, I, I think or that's. A I think that's the. That seems like it'd be the uh, the um. Plural. The plural of oryx. Orises. I don't know. Thompson's I'm gonna look it up. I, because I had oryx ah. and zoo tycoon. Ah, it's oryxes. O r y x e s. I don't oh. like that as much as I like orises. Same. But hey, I don't get to decide what language is. I'm just one person instead of several people. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, they're like, all right, let's switch the food and, and do all that. And then then it'll be fine because the 
the lion can survive off of cheeseburgers. That's not going to be harmful for a lion. Yeah, we give the lion cheeseburger. <laughs> it's like that cat meme. Oh my god, actually, wait, hold on. The movie came out in 2010. I don't know if they did this bit, but if they did, how much do you want to bet there there was a, like, cut, I can has cheeseburger joke right there. 2010 is about the time that surfaced. We were a couple Wait, hold years on. Away, if 2010 but... is the time that surfaced, movie writers wouldn't have started implementing it until about five years later. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah tiny sidebar. Pop culture is always five years behind pop culture. <laughs> it's very true. Um, tiny sidebar, because you were talking about oryxes, oryxes. Apparently, they're um, living in New Mexico because in the 40s, a big game hunter thought releasing them in a similar environment would be a great idea so he could hunt them here without having to go to Africa, and the mountain lions would hunt them to keep their population down, but it didn't work. And so now they host Oryx hunting in New Mexico. Wow. That's fucking... Wow. You know what? Maybe Luke has a point. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> anyway. Uh, fucking, I and, mean, maybe Pan has and, a point. Oh, maybe yeah. Pan we also hear... We, we hear a story about how Pan is dead. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, or these missing. people were passing god by an Pan. island and just heard a voice ring out. Tell them the god Pan has died. It's like... Cool. So okay, that's that's credible. Yeah. So, so Pan's just alive, and every satyr just wants to go out looking for Pan, mm-hmm. but Pan doesn't want to be found because people are too shitty to the environment, and he's just yeah. like, I there, there's too much work. I can't do this shit. Rather than start my workload, I'm just gonna let it keep piling up as I go over there and do fucking nothing. And you know what? <laughs> Big fucking mood. Yep. Yeah, Pan because the, all the gods I'm gonna have fake ADHD my death rather than now. do my job. Because <laughs> like, yeah. everyone has ADHD. Yeah, even Pan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can I Pan go on has one? done the equivalent of moving laundry chair into the closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really motherfucker. Is. We had a pile. Of, we had a pile of laundry on my bed, and I like folded it up and everything, and be like, okay, and then go over to the dryer, and there's another pile of laundry. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, we did. We yeah. actually did that too. We do that frequently because we'll forget a load of laundry in the dryer and then we finish doing we finish folding the laundry that we actually did like a couple days ago uh and then find that extra load of laundry in the dryer it's like oh fuck let's just let's just have one of our laundry baskets be clean laundry and the other one be dirty laundry let's just do that (laughs) (laughs) it works oh um another small small tangent um the 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 phrase the great god pan is also the title of a book by arthur Mackin, who inspired lovecraft but i don't know if he was as much of a racist dickhole but um anyway i mean that'd be hard to do it would be actually um but arthur Mackin's book concerns um a an attempt by uh by some scientists to make contact with the deity pan who is like you know a, a nature divinity and basically this one girl or you know one girl their test subject comes in contact with him and basically just is never the same because she has seen the world as it you know the primordial mm. world and she, yeah shit hits the fan from there hmm. that's it's pretty neat. cool 
Yeah. So anyway, Grover it's wants to find... one of those things find... where, like, you went back in time and, like, smelled with the actual... You, like, breathed in with the actual uh, atmosphere is supposed to be, like, instead of, like, 200 <laughs> years past industrialism. Yep. And you're like, oh, this is what real air is. <gasps> <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, back. that is something that we didn't really talk about in the Animorphs uh, back in time episode about how the like different composition of the atmosphere would have meant that they were basically high on oxygen the whole time. Yeah. They would have had a great Hell yeah, time. Bro. <laughs> yep. Oh man. But um but yeah, Grover wants to find be the first satyr to return from the pan hunt. Yeah, it's like my my family all died on this, including my uncle who we just saw as a statue over at Medusa's place. But I want to I wanna do this. I think I can do this. It's like, hey, bud, maybe maybe don't. Yeah. Maybe don't do that. Have you, you looked have, into, like, consistently have you looked into like, vocational schools? Maybe there's a reason you're being told you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Also, they haven't gotten into it. it they didn't get it. You know what? I'll save this for later once the book is, like, once we've wrapped up the plot of the book, uh, which is going to continue right now. Uh, yeah. Ares gives them backpacks with clothes and food and shit in it, including some some double stuff Oreos. <laughs> and was that am I and am I and am I seeing correctly that that is the yes the official branding of it is only one F on the package, and I'm like, all right, that's what I thought. They got the official branding oh, wow. of double stuff Oreo. But they they get to um, they get to Vegas and decide to free all the animals uh, and. And, and Grover's like, I, I placed a charm on them so they'll find their way to nature without trouble. It's like, okay. But... In Nevada? Yeah. <laughs> In Nevada, though? I mean, realistically, all three of those creatures are reasonably well-suited to the desert climate of southern Nevada. But also... Individually? <laughs> I mean, one of them was a zebra. The entire point is a zebra that it has to exist in a herd to, yeah. f as a camouflage. Otherwise, it is the most visible barcode of a creature begging to get scanned by a goddamn <laughs> predator. Mm -hmm. yep. Or at least, like, severely tall grass. It can blend into that reasonably well in a similar way that tigers can. In Nevada, though. In Nevada. Yeah, in southern Nevada. In the Mojave Desert, you're not going to run into tall grass. Nope. Um Zebras do live in deserts in Africa, but in herds. Yeah. <laughs> but in herds. But yeah, and so that's, you know, he's looking for Pan, and I'm sure if he finds Pan, Pan's not going to be like, hey, what the fuck? Why do you release a lion in Nevada? Look, it's the least I could do. They were being tortured. I know it's the opposite side of the goddamn planet than the normal ecosystem, but what am I going to do? <laughs> I, I set him free, and I blessed him as best I could. They got it. They got some kind of chance. Yeah, a starving lion in the middle of Las Vegas. I'm sure it's not going to eat like five people on its way out, as it is supernaturally protected. If they, if if they had fucking like ended this book with like a news report that like you know, uh, seven Elvis impersonators found dead at the hands of a wild albino lion, you know. In the outskirts of Vegas, I would have fucking lost it. Yeah. Um, that would have been a good joke. But they get to Vegas, and they get welcomed into the Lotus Hotel and Casino. Um, and just like, cool, yeah, you get checked in, you get a VIP card that's infinite credits at the 
at the arcade. You can check out any time you like, but you can <laughs> never leave. Yeah, and Percy realizes that they're there, like trapped there, frozen in time, because he talked to someone who had like gelled, like permed hair, essentially, and said groovy and didn't understand what he meant when it was sick. Like, I groovy didn't really go away. Yeah. 90s kids would know about Groovy. Like, you at least know what Groovy means. You might be like, wow, dude, why do you look like you're from the 70s? And he's like, what do you mean? It is the 70s. And you're like, how long have I been here? God, my least favorite time travel... You know what? No. My second least favorite time travel trope is, what year is it? Like, what? what's the date? What year? Because, just fuck off. Just fuck off with that. I'm tired of that. Um... But I also know that it's important to use that as a tool. But find a more creative solution, please. I, I can't think of one right now off the top of my head, but I am also not a writer, and I am on the spot. Um, no, my least favorite is, where are we? When are when we? When are we? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst, most, like, trite bullshit. Um, what but... year is it, I don't mind? Because, like, when fucking... Robin Williams comes out of Jumanji yeah. and he sees it's his house, but it's all different. And he knows that he is an adult in some capacity. It makes sense to be like, what year is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the concept of what year is it? Isn't bad for me, but the way it, it feels like it's said the same way every single fucking time. And it never feels natural. Like that's fair. I don't know. And like, if you want to do it as like a sly, like, Percy was trying to get the kid to say, oh, like, what what year is it right now? He could do the, like, he could do a more natural thing of just, like, oh, man. I just realized, like, what? Hang on. Oh, is it, like, this year, like, the same thing that we do naturally every January and February, where we can't remember what fucking year it is. Well, yeah, but that's only if you're trying to hide the fact that you're a time traveler. Asking the 70s kid, hey, what year is it? Like, what's the risk of asking him what year it is? Fucking, yeah, he's got his own little answer. And you know what? I mean, what's the this, risk? Is, the, the whole concept. Yeah, the risk is minimal. It's just, I, I don't know. It, it just. The whole concept, the whole concept of this Lotus Casino seems actually really excellent because you don't age. Like, imagine going to the coolest arcade and then in quick succession, you see people with like increasingly bizarre and futuristic outfits. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, maybe you walk out and you're in the year 2345. Yeah. Honestly, they didn't do a good job of making it as, like, psychologically horrifying as it was. Yeah. It is pretty scary. Because Percy went in there and came out after a couple of days. And for him, it felt like a couple hours. But you know what? Honestly, the way he experienced it, I'd be so fucking on board for. Like, I know that it's meant to be, like, oh, this is the Lotus Eaters and everything, whatever. And, like, I have heard it argued that... Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief is mostly just a retelling of the Odyssey. I disagree a bit, but there's definite, like, chunks of the Odyssey ripped, like, chunks uh, ripped from the Odyssey and transplanted into here in interesting ways, like the Lotus Casino. Yeah. I, the book doesn't do a good job of making it psychologically horrifying because it just sounds fun. Um, I would love to it have, does. like... It does. It sounds fun. And I remember yeah. the book, the or the in the movie, it, like, looked fun. And even going back to it now, I'm just like, uh, yeah, this seems baller, actually. And so the kids go into this, and they, like, experience it as an arcade. But you have to imagine that, like, depending on what kind of person goes in there, like, 
it takes the form of things that appeal to them. So like, at, you know, I mean, I went to. Chuck I mean, and that seventies kid, kid but then saw I went it as to, an arcade but, too that kept getting like newer, cooler technology. It feels like every day they get they add something new and cool. It's like, bruh, how are you not like wild about the fact that there's this giant LCD screen playing a you're bunch doing of VR games? Dude. Yeah, they just yesterday invented microchips and everything changed. Um, but but like imagine being here as an adult though where like the, the kids are experiencing it like it's a fucking dave and busters but you would experience it like a dave and busters where you're old enough to go to the fucking bar and also you've got the master suite and i'm sure they'd be sending like nymphs up there to like suck your dick it's it seems like i mean if you have shit to do that's a thing if you have shit to do it's like percy tough. does it's a big obstacle it's really tough i i think but the, if you're if you, i think the biggest downside think if you're a little just, bit more no uh, no you do yeah if you're a little bit more like nihilistic, uh, a little bit hedonist, then I, I'm not seeing the problem that much. <laughs> I mean, it's the ultimate hedonistic fantasy. You don't experience the passage of time. You just experience joy and pleasure. Yeah. Um, truthfully, I think going there as an adult, it'd mostly just be like, hey, cool. I slept. Wow, I feel like I slept for like, you know, a f I actually got a full night's sleep. And in reality, you slept for like, a month i feel like that's yeah, the that experience of the great. lotus casino as an adult actually <laughs> sleeping you, that's my you go there you have time to play through the backlog of your steam library <laughs> oh my god yep you can you can do that like different playthrough to get the ending that you wanted you just like split yourself into like a hundred different people so you can play through near simultaneously and get every single ending at once <laughs> It's really the manifestation of, like, there was time now. There was all the time in the world. Yeah. If you go there and you don't age, but you can just keep doing that stuff, like, it, it like I said, unless you have somewhere you need to be, yeah, uh, it I, seems fine. And it's and at some point, like, you would also want to know that you're still there, you know? Like, you would want to remember what it is so that, like, if you ever, you know, are getting sick of it, you're not just, like, trapped in arcade hell. You're like, all right, it's time to leave and, like, go go die or something yeah honestly i would 100 percent go with it as like all right i am going to this place in two months i want you to come get me i want you to come get me i want you to go like practically full sensory deprivation whenever you go in do not go to the room find me like call me up and tell me <laughs> you are there for me and meet you at the entrance and then just pull me the fuck out you know what the you know what the problem is the way you would experience that is like dude i just started yeah, yeah i wanted to have a whole i wanted to have a couple months in here and it's like it's been four months and you're like i just started yeah it would be kind of a pain in the ass like that it's designed to never be satisfying mm -hmm. which yeah, is yeah it's kind of like a like a buddhist nightmare you know just like endless indulgence and desire but like no nothing beyond that yeah. i wonder how long uh dionysus would spend there I wonder if Dion realistically Di Dionysus may have Dionysus built it. would break it. No, he would break it. He would get there and like everything would be like too pussy for him. It'd be like, damn, you damn Zagreus, you don't even they don't even have a bar here. And they're like, there is a bar. It's like, yeah, but it's just alcohol. Where's the opium? Actually, ooh, loophole. Dionysus goes to the Lotus Casino and waits for a bar to surface. And that's when he knows his hundred years uh, of prohibition are done. Smart. And yeah. he gets to that's, experience that's, it as just like a day or two. Move. 
damn Zagreus. Back at it again with the white vans. I need to play Hades again. I've it's barely so started. I realistically I've barely started too. I still haven't beaten um the third level of it, Elysium. Wait, is it Elysium that's the third level? Mm. I think it is. Yeah, it's the one with the Minotaur yeah. and his boyfriend. Yeah, I still haven't cleared that one. Um anyway. Uh but, 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 but yeah, they leave the Lotus uh casino and they're like Oh, oh, the backpack's back on my shoulder. That's weird. I thought we I ran left out that the whole the fucking clock. Ah. Yeah, suddenly it's t- prom is tomorrow. <laughs> um, and they use the card they got at the Lotus Casino to pay for a cab, <laughs> and it turns <laughs> the meter <laughs> the into an infinity sign. <laughs> yeah, that was Which, just okay. Just gla- glazing, <laughs> glazing right over the fact that the cabbie's meter can do an infinity <laughs> sign. I was just like, the idea that like, the okay, so of course when you go to the Lotus, the Lotus Cathedral, they've got you the card that you like swipe to play House of the Dead. I've been to a Dave and Buster's and you swipe the card to do it and it's got your credits loaded onto it and like, you gotta go back to your dad and be like, I need another $20. I gotta do House of the Dead. Um, but it has infinite money on it. Of course it has infinite money on it in the Lotus, Cas- Lotus Casino. They gotta keep you there forever. Why does it work when you take it out of the casino? Yeah. It, Why does it work everywhere? I mean, of course, it's an oversight that, like, nobody at the Lotus thinks that anyone's ever going to get out of the Lotus. Yeah. But, like, the idea that it doesn't just turn into dust, the idea that you can walk out of there with infinite money. Yeah, it's... They paid... They fucking paid for this taxi with Chuck E. Cheese tokens. Basically, yes. <laughs> but it worked. Um... And he just bought it. He's also, like, Percy told him to keep it. And you know this motherfucker is going to go straight for the Lotus Casino now because he saw this kid come out of it with this infinite money credit card. He's going to go in there. Oh, and he's going to use it. They Percy just, just condemned this He's going to hit it big. Because if a fucking, if a 12-year-old can get infinite money from the craps table at this casino, I guarantee I can get double infinite money there. Yeah. They just doomed this guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they just they've left a trail of destruction in their wake, really. Uh, also, I'm well, sorry. Well, they f- went they went they went 95. to the Oh, I can't remember what pier it was. The Santa Monica Pier. The Santa Monica Pier. Okay, so they went from Vegas to the Santa Monica Pier, supposedly driving ninety 95. plus the whole time and never stopping. They drove That's... through LA without ever stopping and going 90 miles an hour that doesn't happen that no that's they they must have flown over the city <laughs> because la traffic is impossible yeah i think he had the the hermes uh, sneakers and it just flew the car over traffic <laughs> also he he was he was heading for the santa monica pier which mm-hmm. is pretty fucking popular um yeah and and yeah and managed one, okay, evening, going into the city, traffic's going to be a little bit lighter than if you were going in in the morning, obviously. Mm-hmm. However, then they'd have to leave the city heading towards the Santa Monica Pier. That's going to be crazy fucking busy. You will be in a parking lot. Yep. But, whatever. Um, suspension but that's of disbelief. But, infinite- but that's the power of the infinite money credit card. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Good old Richard could have just had it be, it's in two days. You could have had them lose four days instead of five, and that, and and then you don't need to create this contrivance of, well, yeah, it's in, it's an infinite money credit card, and then we drove forever, super fast. 
And he drove me here. <laughs> yeah. Three filthy children stumble out of a casino with the infinite money points rewards card. And you're like, I'll do 90 miles an hour all day into LA. Yeah. Gonna get gonna fucking explode. You're gonna get murdered. But uh, actually. But they get to the Santa Monica Pier and Percy just walks right into the ocean because he was told Poseidon wants to meet him there. So he walks right into the ocean and I loved this actually. This yeah, was, like, it was a the cool most sequence. interesting, mm -hmm. fun part of the book was like describing how he just sort of like walks into the deepest ocean. Mm-hmm. And, and like sort of like goes off of that like ledge. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, and then a raid shows up riding a giant, um, riding a giant seahorse as he's like held onto the fin of this shark that took him to basically Poseidon's castle. Like he's staring at Atlantica and is like ready to go in. And the raid's like, "Well, I mean, your dad, your dad can't meet with you. He can't meet with you because if he meets with you, they're gonna think some shit's going down." It's like they already think shit's going down. I just want to meet my dad. Um, but. Yeah, and then she's just like, here's three pearls that should protect you in a vague sense. What is the seas will return to the sea. Goodbye. Thanks for that. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool. I guess I'll have these pearls now. And it's like, cool, there's three of them. Hmm. Couldn't have given, given me a fourth one? I wonder uh, if these are useful as we go into the place that nobody ever comes out of. Yeah. They go, they go to the record place. They go to DOA Records, which is the entrance to the underworld, because ha-cha-cha-cha, it's a statement on the music industry and how corrupt it is. Of course. And you know what? I kind of wish it was a talent agency instead, but that is a whole <laughs> other point. <laughs> I want to go back to, for a second, when she gave him the pearls. I have a note here. Mm -hmm. I know you journeyed to Hades' realm, she said. Few mortals have ever done this and survived. Orpheus, who had great music skill. Hercules, who had great strength. Oh, yeah. Houdini, who could escape even the depths of Tartarus. <laughs> yep. mm -hmm. And I just read that. I'm just like, oh, uh, yeah, the lawyers for the Houdini estate are on the line. <laughs> They're uh, calling about the representation of him as a mystic and uh, afterlife delver. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the portrayal of Houdini in this one sentence is uh, really the opposite of how Houdini was. You know what? Maybe uh, maybe it was Rick Riordan trying to like backdoor get Houdini's ghost to show up. Be like, what the fuck, man? This isn't what I... God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to reverse psychology Houdini into actually being a ghost. <laughs> But Wait, I'm sorry. Did we? I'm sorry. Did we jump ahead to the record studio? Did we skip over the oh, waterbed store? Oh right, I we can't skip, skip over, over the, the waterbed, waterbed store because I forgot the about most, it because like, I didn't give a shit. The most vestigial little extra monster encounter before they actually get there. This was not important at all. And they reference like this like Greek mythology character, the stretcher, uh, like whose name was like you know Crustiosus or whatever. The Procrustes. <laughs> That they call him Mr. Krusty and he sells waterbeds. And I'm just like, I have no idea who this guy is. The stretcher. He stretched people. He tortured them. I don't know what this is. They go to the waterbed store and he's like a gross man. And he's just like, would you like a toothpaste in my waterbeds? And they sit in it and then they get tied to the waterbeds. And he's like, I'm going to stretch you out. Until I... Percy Jackson like gets out of it somehow. I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. He just he tricks the guy into laying down on one of the waterbeds and ties him up in it. Oh, by like... 
out salesmaning him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also uh, fun fact: Procrustes is also a son of Poseidon. He's Percy's half brother. <laughs> of course. Which makes what happens in this encounter a little even darker. Yeah, per- also, yeah, th- yeah, yeah. So Percy decapitates his half brother. Mm-hmm. Um, He's also not a monster. But anyway, sorry. Does anyone? Here's a question. Does anyone do waterbeds anymore? No. Uh, like ever. So here's the thing. I, I know I feel like, of I feel like a rich kid I, like I used seven... to work with. A rich guy I used to work with who whose family lives in Pasadena. Um, so uh, yeah, rich kid. Um, he his whole family have custom built waterbeds. To this day. Oh yeah. Wow. Wow. I've I've encountered a waterbed in person before, but like I feel like about eight years ago was the last time I ever heard about waterbeds. And like nobody does that anymore. I I can't imagine wanting a waterbed. Like I, I feel like I have also experienced one, but it seems like it is the most inconvenient bed to get in and out of yeah having been on one also impossible to move Mm -hmm. you need a forklift to get it into your room yeah yeah well um generally i I believe you actually fill it in the place like in the frame like you put it in the wooden frame and then you fill it Mm -hmm. but how do you drain it you don't you don't it just stays there wait do you have to put like a little tablet of like chlorine in it to keep it from like getting full of i don't know plankton inside of it i mean i would assume that inside every waterbed is just the least potable water ever um yeah yeah. just totally sterile but um i would also i can't imagine getting a waterbed unless they like invented a new type of rudder that cannot ever be punctured if you like shot it with a gun it would just bounce out yeah no that just seems totally unfeasible um one of my cousins had one and i remember as a kid me and a bunch of like brothers and cousins were trying to climb on it and it was impossible. Like it's, they're not it's a great novelty. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. I would like uh if I was going on a vacation and they had like some sort of novelty hotel where you could sleep on waterbeds. Like in the, like in that scene from a goofy movie, like the all ocean themed hotel. <laughs> I would fuck with a waterbed, but like not in any day to day capacity. Um so on their way out of the waterbed store, and I quote we walked past gangbangers, bums, and street hawkers who looked at us like they were trying to figure out if we were worth the trouble of mugging. But if only these uh, hip-hop style thugs and gangster rappers had known that these fucking children had an infinite money credit card. Well, they don't have the infinite money credit card because they gave it to the taxi driver. They left it with the cabbie? Yeah. Uh-huh. No. Mm-hmm. Um, also... Yeah, that was that was fucked up and definitely felt like at least a little racist. But also, this comes as part of um, this comes as part of Percy talking about how L.A. is so much different and less friendly than New York is. And I'm like, look, buddy, I know huge beef between L.A. and New York because people who are from one are like the other one is so like stupid and ridiculous, and they're all up they're all up the ass of their own city, not like us. And it's like. No, you could get mugged at either one. Yeah. Percy's Percy's from New York City, where these streets are like family to him. But in L.A., there's dangerous criminals, gangbangers, bums, and street hawkers. Yeah, and there's there's no muggings that happen in New York ever. No. 
just like you know, and uh, Percy. But, but Percy's also, one of those people as, who's just like, why? Why wouldn't you be walking through Central Park at night? It's it's so pretty there. Why why would you have avoid you seen Central Home Alone Two? You're gonna run into the nice lady that has all the pigeons. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but but none of those people bother them. No, it's a it's a gang of white kids with expensive clothes and mean faces, rich brats mm-hmm. playing at being bad boys. Although, truthfully, yes, those are the most frightening people in L.A. Bye, 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 um, bye. And, and I will say this. I will say this for Percy. I mean, he's right in that New York has an actual grid system and it makes sense. So long as you, like, know that it exists, you can find your way around New York pretty easily. Whereas L.A. doesn't. Because L.A. is, like, six cities that just got catamaried into one because they each grew too big and absorbed each other. That's why there's not a good highway system. That's why public transit basically doesn't exist. It's because you couldn't integrate those without just raising it all and rebuilding from scratch. I'm in Boston. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I mean, Boston has bad roads because Massachusetts has weird decisions about its infrastructure spending. roads are like triangles. It's a system of triangles. It is, yeah. but not like good uh, triangles. All different. We got an isosceles yeah. here. The we city. got a The city is interestingly there. laid out. The city is at least navigable and like makes makes sense. The only trouble is its urban planning is still on par with you know when it was first created. Yeah, I'm starting to think that it was a Puritan experiment to teach us humility and shame. <laughs> I have definitely heard that verbatim about Boston before. I don't remember where, though. Was it me? Have I said this to you before? I don't remember. It was a couple years ago. Oh, well, then it couldn't have been me. I wasn't here yet. But anyway. But anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Like, but... like, actually word for word that. Wow. wow. I, I swear I made that one up, so cool. Uh, all right. <laughs> I mean, I've had friends who live in Boston. Maybe it's just like, it's like the it's the Boston version of the Bionicle Dream. That <laughs> phrase infests your brain. So if you're yep. ever talking about Boston roads, you that like comes out. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of roads, they they get out of crust pro, of Krusty's waterbed store. Also, I'm sorry if you're a demigod kind of creature you want to sell waterbeds they make some weird choices in careers these monsters Um, you know what i will say this if he is a son of poseidon having a waterbed store is pretty fucking awesome because if someone comes in and tries to come after you you're just like all right you just do water bending at him and throw percy didn't do any of that did not do any water bending nope i thought he would but um he should he just kind of really cold-bloodedly Kills. I, okay, I know they were in yeah. danger, but the way it's narrated, like yeah, he's it's like, like the... very satisfied with himself for tricking this person into mm-hmm. being able to cut his head off. <laughs> right, like he says, if Krusty were human, I couldn't hurt him anyway. If he was a, what was it? Oh, yeah, I had no qualms about what I was about to do. If Krusty were human, I couldn't hurt him anyway. If he was a monster, he deserved to turn it into dust for a yeah, while. Yeah, that's what people with no qualms like, do. Mm-hmm. And if he was a half-blood, like me, like he apparently <laughs> actually is, then I could still kill him. Yep. And like, it doesn't even... Yeah, I swung the sword, Krusty stopped making offers. Like, okay, pretty dark. Got real dark there. Yeah. Also, it... I, I appreciate him sticking to the bit of being a mattress salesman, even as he realizes, oh shit, this is a demigod. 
<laughs> Instead of being like, no, no, we're brothers. Hey, you know what would have been interesting? If when he was in the underworld, he saw, like, the reconstituting Procrustes and, like, actually had to face any form of, like, interaction with someone he's killed outside of his math teacher who already hated him. And, you know, mm -hmm. Procrustes, like, you would actually maybe think that they could get along for a little bit because, like, nobody's going to know what Percy is going through quite like Procrustes as a son of Poseidon. That could be... Yeah. He could learn water superpowers. There could be a little mentorship there. But no, it's, like, immediately frames him of, like, he's a slimy salesman and, uh... A torturer, apparently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they go to the, then they go to the entrance to the underworld, and it's a big waiting room, and Charon is there, and he's just like, "Hey, you can only get in if you pay me." Wait a second, you smell like demigods. Hey, you pay me enough, and tell the boss I need a raise. I'll let you labor through. relations. And you know what? Honestly, honestly, I really liked Charon here. I really liked Karen here. Me too. It's just like I don't. Get, I literally do not get paid enough to give a shit right now. Just do the thing. Don't get found out. If you get found out, sucks to be you. I'll see you back here in an hour when you come back dead. Oh, you're alive! I suppose that's good news for you, but it means a lot more paperwork for me. So don't expect me to be happy to see you. Of course, being alive is temporary. So, maybe if I go away and play pinochle for a few hours, things might improve. For me, not for you, you'd be dead. Where am I? Great, you haven't been debriefed. This is way out of my pay grade. Saying a lot, cause I don't get paid. Someone find Professor Hay for breath and tell him Peter Johnson is awake, so we better clip-clop over here. It's Percy Jackson. Whatever! And We're gonna do wage negotiations and then... for Charon, and there, you know, was something interesting, like, cause Percy was gonna be like, hey, you should, like, you know, threaten to just walk off the job. And that raised the question that I, and that made me think of the, uh, but what, what I kept thinking about later was just like, why why do the Underworld? Why have the Underworld? Why would you do the Underworld? What's the point? Um, like, it's, it's just this vague sense of like somebody has to, but it's like nobody, it's never really rationalized like. So there is a little bit of rationalization that we even get in this book. And it's that if someone wasn't like managing and operating it and making sure that people like were both getting in if they could be and like processing them once they're there, the dead would overrun the world of the living but what what is what is uh, in is... it for the gods like not even in the modern day but like from the very beginning of like ancient greece times like to have given a shit about that they gotta go somewhere because it's an essential task mm -hmm. they gotta go somewhere kind of like how this you know the sun's gotta rise and someone's gotta hold but up you're the, the gods earth. and you're shaping the very nature of the world around you like on whose authority like well demands that this ones. shit must go yeah so that's that's more of a thing in like monotheistic, uh, omnipotent godhood forms. Not really with this though. Not really mm -hmm. with uh, Greco-Roman mythology because they're like embodiments of forces and like govern the natural forces of the world and the uh, the artificial parts of the world. But they don't command complete control over the fabric of reality. No, I know, but I just mm -hmm. mean specifically mm -hmm. in like this continuity sense of that these gods manage these different facets of the universe, like, what 
requires them to do this management. Um, there's a general like social consequence between the gods of like what happens when you neglect things or like do not abide by like you know the packs and rules you have set out for each other. But like, I, I just wanted to see like what would I happen think... if anyone didn't, if if there was some sort of disruption to this order of things. I almost said natural order, but like it's uh, yeah. only natural insofar I... that like it's you know constructed by the gods. But on the level of the gods, you have to wonder like, well, why shouldn't the fucking dead commingle with the living humans what does it matter like i think it, it, this is um well it makes me think about um american gods once again where like the gods have to do these roles yeah. and maintain these belief structures because it, it's literally what keeps them alive if they if they I don't serve this like existential role and be recognized for it they just vanish into nothing so there's a self-preservation aspect. i think at least i think it's also part of you know Okay, so let's say the, the dead don't go to the underworld. They just commingle with the living and, like, mm, how to explain it? Okay, if the dead overrun the world and fuck up the order, then everything else starts falling with it. And mm -hmm. then, so, like, then Hades' authority overruns, say, Demeter and everyone, like, yeah. If things aren't separate, then no one, they don't get to rule their various things. And they like ruling their various aspect Hades of the world. doesn't and that's getting the trust to... the spirit of the Hades west to collapse yeah Hades oh, yeah. doesn't Hades he got doesn't. assigned that job yes because it must that, be done yeah it must be done and that's part of what I like about Greco-Roman mythology it has this idea of like yes you like people are selfish and shitty a lot of the time and the gods are no different from that but everyone has these like responsibilities that they need to meet and we do kind of see what happens when you don't do your job with pan mm -hmm. like realistically i feel like rick riordan was on the verge of blaming global warming both on humanity and on the disappearance well, what's the chicken of pan, and the egg there because pan chose Did to pan not... disappear because yeah. he could not pan chose to because leave, he which... could not fight back against the tide of the anthropocene reshaping the natural world of earth like to the favor of you know human industrialism yeah it was it was too difficult to fight against it and too soul crushing to fight against it so pan chose not to which only exacerbated the problem i've been uh, at my job i'm so exhausted i think i did 65 hours this week um because we're doing inventory Peaceful. on this warehouse but that's not that's just me uh you know doing my little uh, working class bona fides for you so that y'all can groan uh to satiate my discomfort um, anyway, but the whole time I've been listening to hours long, uh, YouTube videos about Dark Souls lore, and it's got a fantastic creation myth in Dark Souls lore, um, about the dynamics of things and the maintenance of one's power as a deity representing certain abstract concepts like light or death or darkness. And, uh, one of the like most prevalent themes in all of Dark Souls is the like, artificial prolonging of an ancient age of gods that has been overdue for its uh, death and transition into a new age for a long time, specifically the age of man. Um, so I was, I was thinking shades of that into uh, Percy Jackson, where like at, at this point in, the, especially with Pan at this point in the like role of the Greek mythological uh, gods, monsters and magical entities, um, it seems to be like really falling very slowly to the uh, onset of the Anthropocene, the you know new age of the world being shaped by the 
uh, motivations of humanity. So, yeah, for Pan especially, it's uh, it's a question of like, did Pan give up, or was Pan totally overcome by, you know, the destruction yeah. of the natural world? Um, and it's like which I'm sorry, it's like which came yeah, first? Yeah, yeah, you know, and there's kind of a pointless moral question of like, is this good or is this not that um, gets handled in uh, dark souls about like, well, the age of light is now transitioning to the age of dark. And you know, you, the viewer are and the player just immediately from the start supposed to think like, well, I would rather prolong the age of light because the age of dark seems fucking evil. But as you go through it, you find out that the prolonging of the age of light is kind of actually an evil thing to do. And the age of dark is just like what the universe is gravitating towards and like you know the natural flow of things the metamorphosis from one stage of existence to another and it's unnatural and it's fucked up to interfere with that not that i'm trying to run a defense for uh industrial humanity annihilating the natural world but like from the perspective of pan it might have been like pan might have gotten the message that the age of humans is rising and that the age of gods is waning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the gods definitely do a lot of, like, maintaining their position in the status quo of being the head of Western civilization. But, but I've seen throughout the book, the rest of them are also, like, really fetching about, like, well, the humans do this, and that's not the way they used to do it. But the gods clearly don't have control over humanity. Not in any, like, mm -hmm. meaningful way. Yeah. No. And they never really have in Greco-Roman mythology... It's sort of like two ends of the bargain and both sides fuck it up a lot. Yeah. Because the gods don't have power over humanity. They are just more powerful than humanity. Yeah. So you better fucking treat them with respect. Mm -hmm. Side note. The they Egyptians are petty didn't. and powerful. <laughs> and that's a terrible combination. And that's yes. I, I'm going to keep going on about it. That's really reflected in the uh, mythology of Dark Souls. I'm a big sucker for this kind of shit. Um, so it just it just raises the question of like There's... if it's such a big fucking pain in the ass, it feels like if it feels like such a burden and such an like an unnatural thing to do to uh, continue the dynamics, such as Hades, for instance. I mean, I understand that like Hades from the very beginning of being Hades, Lord of the Underworld, like was not really that much about it, and it only like mm -hmm. you know the bureaucratic like insufferable nature of it really does wear on him increasingly. Um, well, you also see in the world of Hades, later on we get to, he's dealing with an overcrowding problem. He's dealing with, like, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. a, too many people. a population system that, like, the land of the underworld is just, it, it does not have the infrastructure to handle this quantity of dead. So it almost raises the question of, like, well, maybe the dead aren't supposed to just be warehoused here at this point. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. that... And also creates this... I. Yeah, just uh, just ahead. essentially that like yes these were the dynamics that governed for millennia absolutely with the gods maintaining their roles on the dynamics of the natural world and of uh, humanity's place within it but this machine is deteriorating yeah mm -hmm. it it was also like programmed at a time when it was a way more limited scope so it had these sharp distinctions between where you would go and now it's like well there's way more people so it, like the bar for heroic deeds to get into the fields of Elysium is like fucking bonkers yeah. for a normal person. So most just end up bopping around the fields of Asphodel and mm -hmm. yeah. And it needs, it needs to be completely restructured, not just have like more bits of Asphodel tacked on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hades, I think, talked at some point about yeah. like having big expansions done on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, this is constantly under construction. It's a bureaucratic nightmare. And I fucking love Hades as just a tired, like, lawyer bureaucrat I, yeah, person. Yeah, that is a great yeah. depiction. I, it's pretty great. I, mm-hmm. I, I love whenever Hades is depicted as that. I was so, so nervous that they were going to do just, well, Hades is basically the devil because he's in charge of the underworld. It's like, no, Hades is not the devil. No. Hades is a guy who hates his job, but is committed to doing it well. And also has, like, a sense that, like, nobody else is going to do it. Or, like, I guess Mm -hmm. he doesn't... Because they straight up say that no No one one else wants to do it. it. It's like, your job... And he doesn't want to do it. it. But he has this this ingrained Mm -hmm. sense that it needs to be done. But that needs Mm -hmm. to be self-evident. If he just feels that it needs to be done, like, there has to be some sort of argument backing that up. He was... What's weird is... He has big youngest child energy, but is actually one of the oldest children. He is. Zeus is the youngest child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he has big youngest child energy because his two brothers bullied him into doing this job and having this specific role. And then also, like, make fun of him for it and make him an outcast because of it. Mm-hmm. That sounds like youngest child energy to me, but... Yeah. Uh, I c- like you're the one who's actually forced to be responsible among all. Three. No, I also see that as oldest child energy—the need to be responsible and literally yeah. clean it, up after everybody else. It definitely can be. It depends on your family yeah. structure. Um, and this one's fun. Miles, you were yeah. youngest. Dan, what were you? Because yeah. I was yeah. middle kid. I'm the oh, oldest. Wow, we got the whole array here. The oldest of five. Young, youngest, oldest, and middlest. Yep. I, I was youngest. I I feel like this is youngest child energy, just in that like. I always felt like there was pressure to make up for uh, the shortcomings of my older siblings. Uh, I, I in my life, I frequently had uh, a uh, like... responsibility martyr complex. So I was. That's how I, I guess the example, but I was also the first. Like, it's hard to explain. Like, I, I was just the first one, and so, yeah. But all these other brothers came along, and they all got bigger than. Um, <laughs> side note about hades in ancient greece he was called the hospitable one because hades always had more no matter how many were sent to him he always had more room so it's funny to me that he doesn't anymore that was one of his ep- main epithets like he he has to struggle to make sure there's room which like, which is again my point the fuck, the traditionally actually, understood natural order of things has been deteriorating like a new structure must take its place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the gods have been in power for too long. Things have stayed stagnant. The power structure um, must shift now. The uh... Yeah, it's it's like the Constitution. It was originally created to be a temporary document with the intention of it being rewritten every, like, 20 or 30 yes. years. And re-examined. And Which is rebuilt. why the lore of Dark Souls is the best way to understand the late capitalist hellscape that we are desperately, <laughs> like the undead, trying to find a way out of. I mean, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, so they're going through, they're going through the underworld, and they run into Cerberus, and they throw Cerberus a big red rubber ball and distract Cerberus because Cerberus is just a big old they, puppy. And they freaking like ask Annabeth about like how'd you do that, and she'd be like, I went to obedience school, and I was reading this, I'm just like, 
You take a dog to obedience school so the dog learns obedience. The human doesn't learn how to make dogs be obedient. Did Cerberus go to the class that you're referencing? What are you fucking talking about? How does he know what a red ball also, is? Also, one of the, one of the key one of the key like things in dog training is preventing your dog from responding to distractions and instead following your instructions. She wouldn't have learned how to do the opposite of that. No. The logic of this chapter just dogs. doesn't hold up. No. Uh, it was so one of one of the D's, one of the D's in dog training is uh distraction. You add uh distance, duration, diversity, and distraction. Literally it made we more just, sense in Disney. My, my dog just graduated intermediate classes. It literally made more sense in Disney's Hercules <laughs> when he busted through the wall, like a stride Cerberus's head, just like pulling his ears like reins. <laughs> then fucking yeah. Harry. I hate to bring it up, but the first Harry Potter's dealing with a Cerberus made more fucking sense than this. Threw a ball yeah. at him. Which, which came immediately yeah, and after. And this was after throwing a stick for him didn't work. It's like, oh, he mustn't just not be like a, it must not just be like a big dog. It's like, no, you just used the wrong toy. Like, and this, and they could, and I was thinking this, they could have brought my, me back. My dog is now in here with her toy. Hello, kid. They could have brought this back, maybe, if that they're like, oh, yeah, actually, there's an ancient uh, Greek myth that references a time when Cerberus was uh, distracted from his duties by uh, a vivid red orb that represented the sun and you would be like oh so then the kid brings like a rubber red kickball to throw and the dog and Cerberus chews on it like that would make sense but we just had no uh -huh. reason to think it's like they knew that like in the writing of this they knew that to get to the underworld you have to go through Cerberus how do we get past Cerberus what is a dog like sticks no fuck you idiot dogs like balls stupid ass doesn't make sense yeah, it's it's a weird thing. Also, the, the, also, and Cerberus, then they run like, through the security checkpoint anyway. Point. Yeah, the getting into the underworld is a fucking airport. Yeah, yeah, they go through the fucking security checkpoint and run through it, and it's like, oh, it's a. They said metal detector. I think it was like a life detector or some shit. But they ran through it, and alarms went off, and then they just hid inside a tree. It seems too easy. <laughs> and waited for the ghouls to literally. Pass. The, at the like, time this book was written, human airports were more difficult to get through. And mm -hmm. you would get fucking arrested. Um, yeah. They talked for a little bit about the... Here's the thing. I would have I loved for them to cut... I would have loved for them to have cut the bit with uh, fucking Procrustus. And even... Honestly, they could have even cut out the Vegas bit with the Lotus uh, Hotel. And added more time in the underworld with this... And it would have been way better. Yeah, talk about like them actually having like, to. I could lose those. Take two their bits. shoes off and their belt off. Like, what if Grover has to take his shoes off and the, the fucking zombie that's like you know the TSA agent is just be like, oh, Centaur's dead now too. All right then. They just they just go through the checkpoint and then like, walk through the underworld, passing by all the different like spots of it, and they're just like casually walking and talking about it. I would have loved to have had more like going through those spots a little bit more closely and like going through it as fugitives who were attempting to hide from security that were looking yeah for really sneaking through that would be way more interesting uh but no they're going through and then suddenly it's like oh there's this there's this pit and grover's flying shoes are now carrying him towards the pit 
and with the backpack and just carrying him there, carrying him there, and and then the fake shoes come off of his fake feet. And Which he, I thought would have happened way earlier. And it's fine. He lost one of those shoes just sitting on yeah. the train, and now he's getting whipped around with his full mm -hmm. body weight by the shoes. And I'm like, come on, dude. He's got hooves. What? He didn't glue himself in there now. Yeah. Um. And they're like, oh, wow, those shoes almost pulled you straight into the abyss. What's in that abyss? And he hears the whispers that he's heard in the dreams, and he's like, I think we got to get out of here, actually. Oh, oh yeah. He, mention that we he's also been having dreams? Yeah, we, we didn't mention the dreams. He's been having these dreams where a voice from a black pit has been talking to him. He's like, oh, that must be Hades. And then had a had heard a conversation at one point. He dreamwalked into someone else's dream because that's a thing a child of Poseidon could do. Uh, Poseidon and Morpheus, same person. Um, <laughs> but dreamwalks into someone else's dream where they're talking to definitely Hades. Um, and it's like, yes, I stole things and they've got the, they've got the whatever, they've got the things. They're on their way to you. Like, yes, good. This is good that we've done this. Oh, what are you doing here, Percy Jackson? You're and not then, supposed like, to be here. Morphs the whole scenario. Yeah, like morphs the whole scenario into Hades' throne room to be like a false flag and it's like that's not even a good fault that's like oh this is hades that's it's the me. equivalent I'm of getting into an awkward part of a conversation and just being like oh you're breaking up oh percy jackson I'm you're here listening to me hades plan my underworld attack schemes for hades's benefit i mean my benefit anyway yeah and it's like and it's very very obvious that he's I mean, let's just straight up say it's very obvious at this point that he's talking to Luke. He's talking to yeah. some half-blood that did the stealing. And also, at one point during the Iris message, Luke tried to, like, throw suspicion onto Annabeth. As if anyone would ever believe Annabeth would break a rule. I gotta be honest, the Luke thing wasn't really obvious to me at this point, but I was not paying attention. It... I, he was just—he was just the only other named character that it could possibly be, and it's like, oh, you'll be betrayed by one you call friend. It's like, well, it's not either of these fools, so it must be Luke. Mm -hmm. That's why I wish Luke had a bigger role, so that the betrayal would actually mean something yeah. instead of like, oh, the counselor's yeah, evil. Because I didn't when, when <laughs> yeah. it when it came back to Luke, Luke, I was you know the guy from the camp. I was just like, oh, was he the centaur? I don't fucking remember. <laughs> No, he was not yeah, very and, notable. And they they talk about how like, yeah, he really wasn't, and that's like kind of the point of his character and his and his heel turn is that he's not notable and he's pissed about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so then he goes to Hades' throne room and Hades is like, yeah, I stole your mother away to be a hostage so that you would return my helm of darkness. He's like, what are you fucking talking about? I didn't take that. I didn't take the bolt either. Hades is like, what the fuck do you have in your bag then? That's the master bolt, buddy. Go get me my helm of darkness and maybe I'll forget this and let you have your mom back. And he's just like, hold on, this shit doesn't add up. And I then he looks in his backpack and be like, oh, that I'm is the master out. bolt. Uh-oh. Yeah, and he just dips. He uses those three pearls on himself and his two friends, leaves his mom there, Ninja and dips. Vanish. Oh, his uh, mom was there frozen in golden time. And he was like, I'm sorry, I'll come back for you. Or did we get to the part where he actually meets Hades and finds yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, Hades, yeah, he's just like, oh, wait, you're not evil? You're not trying to destroy everything? He's like, no. You think I want a war? I got enough dead over here. I'm having here. a housing crisis. There's a bunch of... <laughs> I don't have enough room I'm for I'm trying to get investor fuckers. capital to you build, like, a uh, social, like, housing complex. We're trying to do, you know, big public uh, project complexes. Yeah. 
Um, so on our way out, before we leave Hades, the location, I wanted to dig into a little bit the uh, heaven and hell aspect of it because I'm sure if you're a kid reading this for the first time and this is the first like understanding of an afterlife and an underworld that isn't uh, just hell because we've talked about like we don't want the we don't want Hades to just be Satan and we don't want the underworld of Hades to just be hell. But um, it did a fair job of communicating that the Greek underworld is both heaven and hell and purgatory. And most people are in purgatory, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, they do like boutique yep. punishments for evil souls and such. And they have uh, increasingly high standards for who gets into the uh, Elysium. Oh, yeah. The judging and panel. I wanted to talk about that because, too. And yes. let's see. There's a court for dead people. Yeah, three judges. They switch around who sits on the bench. King Minos, okay, Greek guy, Thomas Jefferson, uh, and William Shakespeare, people like that. You know, William Shakespeare, the great legal mind with a moral understanding of who deserves which and what punishment. Motherfucker ended a play with a child dying of poison just because they thought somebody else had died of poison. It's he's William, William Shakespeare he is like, I, I mean, I don't even know Macbeth that much, but I know that this motherfucker, like... I don't know if he's uh, an eternal moral judge, you know. I mean, it's 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 uh, so this that was one of those ones. I I in my notes I wrote when they mentioned Thomas Jefferson and Shakespeare as judges of heaven and hell. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I ever read. Until they said that George Washington also, is King the son Minos, of Athena, in which case great. I thought, oh, this that's the stupidest thing I've read. Um. Yeah, King Minos, famous King, King Minos is good also decision not a good maker. Idea. King Minos, who imprisons yeah. his child. My, my, my wife had a child with with a white bull. I guess I better build I a labyrinth to lock that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get Daedalus to build a labyrinth and put that child in there, and then just every year I'll have some young maiden from the village just thrown down there to be to be food for it. That's a good person, worthy of judging other good people. Also, Thomas Jefferson, worthy of deciding who is welcome into paradise. Hmm. Um, the hmm. man who... He did own slaves, that's for sure. Straight, not only owned slaves, but Sally Hemings, the most famous of his uh, favored slaves, was a child. Yeah. She was like... 14 that's right ladies and when, gentlemen we've got uh, she the, got pregnant racist the first pedophile. time and he went in his, he was in his 40s yeah and the yeah. dude i mean even in his like personal writings he was really fucking racist like he had yeah. whole treatises on why slavery is unfortunate but i mean what would black people be it's here simply the anyway? natural order like if yeah, they if it, they weren't supposed to be yeah. slaves uh why yeah, did they end up as slaves think about it it, yeah he, yeah was, that is that is roughly it, he, what he said but yeah he had a whole what was it um among them is music of plenty but no but no poets no what, you, that, yeah. what does he fucking think music is <laughs> yeah what the fuck what a fucking and this dude is deciding whether or not you go to hell <laughs> this fucking guy like, right? as, yeah. like as, no i would as not i trust said earlier this all. is a sixth grader's understanding of the world they the i, I think in, will... in the most charitable understanding the author was just like I'm not going to say anything that challenges a child's understanding of American history that they learned in, you know, eight years of public school so far. I'm just going to tell them, like, they've got I their little founding really... father heroes, I'm just going to say. Or, and uncharitably, the author just doesn't know any better than to say shit like it's, this. It's, 
it's really fucking telling too about the level of thought and scope put into this that all three judges for this are white men is king midas a white man i think that's a little dubious who's to Uh, say king minos king minos is uh greek or was greek or around there because realistically greece is not one nation it's a collection of city states that just kind of agreed that it'd be one nation that ancient greece Um, like did not have the modern definition of white that we do now although this book definitely has a certain definition of western culture that implies i mean for a good long period of time italians and greeks were not considered white uh including like into the 20th century that is around when the Irish changed. weren't even considered white. Uh, yep, yeah. Irish were also not considered until white they, because then you could uh, until until they uh, until opened they up had, all those Irish immigrants to be like, okay, you can be white now because somebody had to be the cops. <laughs> yeah, actually, fun fact, not so fun, but um, the Irish were able to run for office in certain places, and once they got into politics, they made more Irish-friendly things. But um, that that option wasn't really available to other groups. Mm-hmm. yeah oh fun fact though that is kind of fun the first uh the first uh female congressperson was also the first woman to be able to vote and actually voted on the bill to allow women to vote oh that is cool yeah so so a so one single woman voted on whether or not to give women the right to vote so we're we've been huh. kind of shredding this like decision of like who's the panel of judges for heaven and hell if the author had put in, like, put just sli- slid right in right here, Harriet Tubman, I would have been like, oh, okay. That that yeah, actually checks. I, I like, think realistically, if he was going to go with a black person, he would have gone with Frederick, Frederick Douglass. Douglass would have been good. Like, literally, just like, you could have just thrown out any uh, other historical name like this. Um, if they, if they would have said, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? Don't put in Aristotle, because if you put in Aristotle, you're never going to finish a court case. If they had put in <laughs> revolutionary abolitionist John Brown on the panel of heaven and hell, I would have been like, yes. yo, let's go, dude. Yes. My man's got the moral integrity. He knows Ooh. what needs to be done. <laughs> yep. Oh, that would have been something else. That actually, ooh, that yes. actually would have been really cool. That would have been, damn, if they if they had thrown that in. But I no, been... John Brown, John Brown led a led an armed revolt of abolitionists in Kansas. Yeah. Like, yeah, yes, good. good. Because he had at that time totally unprecedented for that time, like the immense moral understanding of what was going on, that like led yep. him to like he had no choice but to wage war against the slave world not the world of slaves like the it people, actually would but have like been the interesting conducted slavery yeah it would have been interesting truthfully to then create like this idea of oh he was a child of x or whoever because of his like straight up belief that he was on the side of like he had god on his side in real life um, I think it's safe to say as an official statement of the Honor Book Fair podcast that John Brown did have the power of God and anime on his side. <laughs> um, if, yes, if, he if he'd did. been like a son of Apollo or something, because wasn't Apollo like a god of justice and like did justice things? Or was that Athena? I don't know. Uh, I, I think you're just thinking of Apollo because of no. Apollo justice. Oh, shit. I think you got me on that one. <laughs> I thought he was like, I thought Apollo for some le- reason was like a legal god or something 
Uh, Apollo was mostly yeah. arts and music. Yeah. And kind of the sun, okay. but not really. He was a god of the sun without any responsibilities. I think, I think you're right. I, ju- I was just thinking about Apollo Justice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this shit lost me really hard. About like, oh, who gets to decide whether or not you go to Greek heaven or Greek hell? Um, William Shakespeare. Sure, why not? Because that dude really had his shit together. Um, and mm-hmm. I th- they mentioned like reincarnation at some point where like, so you have... Um, Elysium, which is great, but like if you do a hat trick, if you get yourself reincarnated and live such a good life that you go to Elysium, but you do reincarnations of that three times in a row and get to Elysium three times in a row, or maybe non concurrently, maybe just three times at all, then you get to go to an extra special lake house, which is even better heaven. And so. The most restrictive country club. So it really is super turbo mega. Heaven. And so that also that also made me wonder about like, uh, so what is the heaven? What, plus. Is, what is the goal for mortals? What is the game that mortals are playing for living a good life and being judged? Um, which was interesting because like we talked about the meadows as of we talked about the meadows of Asphodel, where they're just getting overcrowded, but like. They're getting overcrowded because of rapidly rising populations uh, post-industrialism globally. Um, but they weren't earlier. Like, it, if the meadows of Asphodel are a limited space, then overcrowding was inevitable, regardless of, like, the size of, like, you know, year-to-year population and uh, cumulative deaths. So, like, there must have been an outlet for the oldest souls of the meadows of asphodel or like do you just stay in asphodel forever as a soul because if you do it will reach maximum no matter what so in theory yes Uh, i believe the ability to be reincarnated is exclusively available as an option to those in elysium so the the meadows are going Um, to reach maximum capacity eventually anyway um, yep. I at one point they talk about Asphodel and they're like, imagine being in a wheat field in Kansas for eternity. And Percy's just like, that doesn't sound so bad. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, I mean, it sounds a little boring, but that's no. Fine. I disagree. Anything, no. anything for eternity is hell. Okay, that's, that's true. Anything so, for eternity. I, I want to compare this to Disney Pixar's Coco, where like people die, they go to the afterlife where they're skeletons uh, in the land of the dead, and they come back on Dia de los Muertos. It's a fun time, but when you stop being remembered um, and stop being on uh, people's ofrendas for the day of the dead, then you sort of just like evaporate from the land of the dead. And it's, it, it seems to be in that uh, understanding of it uh, after the land of the dead is oblivion. So that's the real death mm-hmm. is after the land of the dead. And, and this was me trying to figure out like, what the point of the metaphysical like cosmic structure of Coco and by a greater extent, like the mythology of death uh, in Mexican culture, like what the, what the, like the end of living is, because if, if, if you knew that people were in the land of the dead, then you know that they're not like gone, gone, but when they get gone, gone from the land of the dead, then by just evaporating, when people forget them, what makes you think that then they are actually gone instead of just like sent to the next plane of existence? 
you know so everyone everyone got all yeah. fucked up and sad when somebody disappeared from being forgotten in the land of the dead in coco because it's just like okay now they're really gone and it's like well how do you know that you just went to another fucking dimension to find your dead relatives yeah. Yeah. How do you know there isn't, like, another I, layer underneath the Land of the Dead where they go to after that? You don't fucking know. Who fucking knows? And so I've yeah. truthfully, I've been taking this logic into yeah. the Meadow of Asphodel where, like, so it's going to fill up. It's going to fill up if everyone stays there forever unless there is, like, another valve that, like, leads these souls to somewhere else. Whether that is, like, the souls maintain themselves uh, on another plane, mm -hmm. or if they are just dissolved into oblivion back into the energy of the universe, or whatever. You know what that reminded me of? Um, the third book in the His Dark Materials trilogy, um, The Amber Spyglass, mm. because the after... I don't know if you if we want to read this, or if you're watching the series, um, spoilers? No, Do you care. care about... Either of you care spoilers about... Spoilers for His Dark Materials. I, I don't care about spoilers. I have... I have read it. Um, I'm enjoying the series immensely. I think they're doing a great job with the adaptation. Oh, good. I should watch it. Um, so Lyra and Will, the two main characters, make it to the Land of the Dead. And similarly, they get they have to take a boat across. Um, and they find, yeah, a similar, you know, basically they find the Plains of Asphodel, a whole bunch of people just milling about, miserable. And there's not really much to do. And so ultimately they cut they cut a hole in the fabric of space time to allow the shades to go back out and become part of everything part of the universe uh the conversation's actually reminding me a little bit of the ending of the good place um oh, i didn't see that i truthfully i'd super recommend it do you care about spoilers no. with this um i kind of do because i think i want to watch it eventually but i don't know when i will okay um, it does tie into this idea of anything for eternity is hell. Even paradise for eternity is hell. And also has a distinctly anti-capitalist message, um, which A+, plus, um, despite being from a large production company, so there's like a little bit of cheapness to that, but also like genuinely does just straight up talk about how there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, and that's why basically everyone's in hell now, because even just existing in the day-to-day -day world means you are unwilling like unwittingly supporting a ton of terrible shit huh. um which is interesting and really cool and i i enjoy the fact that the show just got more and more leftist as it went on um and does it yeah it does hit on that idea of even paradise forever is fucking awful um and like destroys the system and rebuilds it from the ground up because when you've got a deeply flawed corrupt system sometimes that is just what is necessary you can't you can't add patches onto something to make it work you have to rebuild it i i, um, I see um the co the cultural concept of an afterlife in any culture as like really kicking the can down the road for people's anxieties about oblivion like and things ending mm -hmm. um to construct the concepts of like a mystical afterlife be that uh the land of the dead from coco and also mexican culture or hades or the good place it is constructed as like a next place where people go after they die because they can't just go into nothingness or like their you know bodies and souls like uh recycle in tiny little iotas throughout the you know vast flowing rivers of the universe they have to maintain their sense um, of self and identity in the next place that they go to. But then they go to there, and then what? And how long do they stay there? 
and is there permanence to that uh, or like anything for eternity is hell but like so like where do they go after the meadows so, of asphodel what so i have a comment on that as it relates to the good place but dan if you care about spoilers i'm just gonna say take off your headphones for a little bit okay i'm i'm curious but okay you know what i'll hear it okay um so they straight up do rework like the system of the afterlife with it and have it be like all right there is punishment for like most of the like truly horrific irredeemable people but in large part people are just like largely a little shitty um and like you go through this process of being constantly tested with like a little bit of memory of what happened and like having your ethics and systems of thought questioned so that you can grow and develop as a person and challenge those like negative impulses or essentially like undergo therapy during some of those like debriefs of all of those sessions because it's not like like thumb screws and uh like four-headed bears for eternity torturing <laughs> you just physically or emotionally it's like just genuinely challenging you to think differently um and it's it's an interesting way of doing it and then like once you've gone through that and you've like actually addressed what makes you a negative person um or like makes it hard for you to engage with the world and you have like made that personal progress depending on how long that takes you do eventually go to that version of paradise which isn't eternal because they add in that like next door you go through the door and they don't like they don't know what happens they don't say what happens it's just a door that you go through and then you're not there anymore and the um and that creates a sense of terminability to paradise and removes it from being interminable which is like fucking incredible and like you can go for as long as you want but eventually if you want this your time there to end you can end it yourself on your own terms and we do follow one of the characters like the last little bit of the show is following a character through that door and she essentially disperses into these like little motes of light basically that land on a person and causes that person to have that like momentary little like voice in the back of your head saying well wait don't do that do the right thing here and do this instead and it just like influences a guy instead of throwing out someone's mistaken mail he takes that mistaken mail to that to like his neighbor's house and delivers it instead so like your being is completely dispersed and done but you cause a little bit more positivity to be brought into the actual world through your own like dispersed spirit and I think that's a really interesting way that to do it. That is a good uh, is. Like like concept that. of how they do it. Um, because the way I see these depictions of the afterlife is that, like, the dissolution of one's identity and, you know, by that extent, ego death is the most terrifying things that we um, culturally across all of humanity, like, invent, like, different little planes of existence to be like, well, no, you maintain your identity and your ego uh, and your sense of self there as opposed to being dissolved into the universe or uh, into oblivion, which are probably the same thing. Um, but it is, yeah, really interesting how they talk about, like, well, how much should someone, like, suffer and be punished to understand their sins? Um, because, I mean, even for fucking Benito Mussolini, like, after 10,000 years of being tortured in hell, what's that next one, what's that next 11,000 year going to like teach Mussolini about why he fucked up he probably knows at that point mm -hmm. um so yeah I've never I've never cottoned on to the idea of like any punishment afterlife 
existing eternally because it's just like okay what's the point of that then you just have people then you just have these like various souls like suffering but like that doesn't make anybody better not even just themselves for suffering for it but like anyone else because we can't see that you can't see that on fucking monster land tv watching people's eternal souls get punished to like you know spook you into being a better person than they were um we have stories and like ideas about eternal hell punishment but that doesn't directly influence people because i mean even if you could see it you know in all of culture cautionary tales only go so far so there needs to be yeah. like an endpoint to you know the eternal torment because otherwise you're just doing it just for the sake yeah. of torment um if, yeah. if the universe just is just torture. sadistic which if you want to believe in a just mm-hmm. god and you know the reason hell has to be there to like justly punish people uh eternal sadism kind of undermines its moral authority you know um yeah absolutely I, i'd also yeah, make the argument that if you do good things out of an interest in either going to heaven or avoiding hell you are a bad person you are mm-hmm. not doing good things yeah. you might not be a bad person but you're not a good person I, i'll yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll amend that you the, are not a good person you are acting out of self-interest the explanation that i was always given and have read for why the okay there are no good justifications for eternal torment but the, one of the ones i've heard was that um was it that uh, that kind of reform just isn't possible if you're if you're so sin- if you're sinful enough that you wouldn't seek to change your life in this life why would you do that in the afterlife it's dumb and it's bullshit um yeah, but that is but that is sometimes a question you can't improve your life or sometimes the way you are like raised and exist in the world makes it impossible for you to change that like mm-hmm. For, for a lot of people doing... That's, that's such bullshit. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they were a criminal in real life, and they never tried to change that. It's like, well, they were they were raised extremely poor in an extremely poor area and had, like, constant disadvantages thrown at them, and that was the only way they could fucking survive. Yeah. They're not a yeah, bad a lot person. Yeah, a, or... a, a, a lot of people's lives are not very contingent. A lot of everybody's uh, lives and the decisions they make are overdetermined by the circumstances that they find themselves in. So, casting moral judgments yeah. is oh, inherently subjective, and because of what freaking uh, like moral structure you're basing it off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's the... it's dumb. I mean, they'll say, and by they, I do mean typically Christian defenders of eternal conscious torment, because this is, you know, this is the voice I've heard, um, the people that I've heard, and yeah, was it like? It's either that or it's, um, you know, it's just you know, life. This life is the only chance you get. Oh, like, that's just how it works. And it, yeah, it's it's not a system designed for real people in the real world. It's, you know, based on a very ancient idea where there was an us versus them. And we are going, okay, that's still an idea. But, you know, a very ancient concept of us versus in group, out group, where, like, they aren't the same as us. It's okay for them to go to hell. And, and no and real understanding the, like, of psychology. The like idea of hell is not even based off of it. It's based off of a like neighboring valley. To yes, uh, it was yeah. never on a global uh, yeah, Jesus, structure. It was never on no, that scale. Jesus specifically, yeah, Jesus specifically is referencing a place called Gehenna. Gehenna in Greek. He doesn't say the word hell. Hell is a later word. Gehenna is a very literal valley where the. Um, in ancient times, the 
um, pagans would sacrifice children and do abominable things and allegedly. And in, but more importantly, in prophetic literature, it's supposed to be the site where uh, the final, you know, battle against good versus God versus evil is going to happen, and that's where all the dead bodies of the defeated enemies of God will be thrown and burnt, N not living people, dead people, and so, and yeah, so. It's that's what, it's not very clear from the Bible. I have a whole book about it. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. We've been on anyway, a on tangent. a different book. <laughs> In a anyway, different Percy book. Jackson has uh, a just escaped book. from the yeah, underworld. Yeah, he then leaves. He yeah he he escapes the underworld and is like, I know what's going on. Do you know what's going on, Annabeth? I know what's going on. I'm like, yeah, he's, and then Ares shows up and it's like, hey, you dumb motherfucker. How'd you get out? You're not supposed to be here. And Percy... Yeah, and Percy fights with Ares, who is, like, talking about how... Uh, I, I'm i a god. I don't have dreams. You, No one's manipulating me. I don't have dreams. It's like, all right, buddy. We get it. Someone's manipulating you through your dreams, and we all know it's Kronos by now. It's cool. Um, and then he and Percy fight, and Percy, like, kind of gains the upper hand for a moment, and then... Zeus like calls no uh then Kronos just like creates this weird like shockwave basically and causes uh Ares to run off scared because that's what Ares does whenever Ares gets injured in a battle he runs off scared that is what happens in every story where Ares gets in a fight and actually takes damage um real glass cannon you also uh you he also does the vin the villain monologue talking about how yeah I, I took the mass I had the master bolt and the helm of darkness and I made that backpack I reshaped the and I would have gotten away with it of too the lightning bolt into the backpack I even I even rigged it so that whenever you went into the underworld that's when the bolt would be recalled yeah, into whatever, it whatever like, dude all right buddy sure 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 also you glossed uh, you glossed they, over the part where uh, Ares like blows up five cop cars. Which I thought was kind of out of character, because this yeah. was the LAPD, arguably the God of War's most revered disciples. Yeah. Also, I, I know that's I know it's not the image they were going for, but m the entire time watching this, I just kept picturing Ares as Lobo. Yeah, no, that's exactly DC right. Comics. No, you're right. He was very Lobo. Like, he was a hundred percent Lobo. Ares just taught like. <laughs> me it's aries the main man a, a, an all-powerful cosmic biker shithead yeah <laughs> yep who just wants to fight i don't even i don't even remember but, how percy beats yeah. him he beats him somehow who cares he just like outwits him for a moment he he makes he does a faint and then stabs him in the foot yeah he faints towards his head and stabs him in the foot uh, because Ares is toying with him and not taking it seriously. And Percy Jackson, like, tricks him into but, going into the fucking water, of course. Yeah. And Ares, yeah. just being so arrogant, doesn't think it's going to just like, yeah. oh, Ares is I all strength, but he doesn't have strategy. And it's like, it was really easy to defeat this, you know, very real god right now, just in a fight. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. And then, and then they play up to the news like, oh, yeah. This horrible biker kidnapped us, and he's the real reason my mom's dead and all of this happened. 
it's it's it was this biker man. He kidnapped us. I just need to go home. Can I have money to go home? Who was please? that biker man, and where did he go? I... We may never know. Ladies and gentlemen, the epics. Ladies and gentlemen, watching Oprah, the epic saga of Percy Jackson, the fugitive child, now a Stockholm uh, hostage, is revealed to us. Everyone, go home. Nobody cares anymore. What do you do when the quest is ended? What do you do when the battle's won? So many questions left unanswered. So many things still left undone. What do you do when it's up to you to choose? Has something ended or begun? Stay or go, pick one. Do I stay because it's safer? Back to the home I left behind. I could stay and train for a piece of the action. But what about peace of mind? Go, what's yeah. my deal? Oh, yeah. Why Gabe gets I interviewed by Barbara fucking Walters Barbara at Walters. one point. Not yeah. only is the hunt for Percy Jackson a national manhunt, but they interview the stepdad on Barbara Walters. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Yep. Total and just she donkey brain. Uh, <laughs> I just I also don't think she's ever actually said, "There you have it, America." Like she doesn't. Talk, yeah. <laughs> there you have it, America. It was very silly. It was very silly. Look, I gotta be honest right now. Uh, I don't know who Barbara Walters is. If I was a kid reading this book in 2005, I would not know who Barbara Walters is. That is not a relevant reference. For I me. don't know if Barbara Walters was still on the air in 2005. When did Barbara Walters go? I don't know. I definitely wasn't, at, at any of these ages, I definitely wasn't watching the news. That's fair. I wasn't on, I wasn't watching The View or 2020, ABC Evening News. Well, well, so she was uh, doing a lot of stuff with the Today Show and The View. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Her last on-air appearance was... She uh, certainly has, 15. like, an illustrious career dating back to the 60s. Wow, my God. Yeah. Quite... Mm -hmm. uh, qu uh, dating back wow. to the 50s. Quite an incredible broadcaster um, and noted journalist. Uh, rest in peace, Barbara Walters. Oh, She's shit. She's still alive. Um, anyway. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I was surprised, too. I, I, thought, I thought she was dead. Yep. Now she is 92. Also, I was wrong. Her career doesn't date back to the 50s her career does date back to the 60s to like big career dates back to the 60s uh i just mistook a thing because it said that she was on the today show uh since the 1950s but that was actually how long the today show has been the point running. is in 2005 oh. i was 12 years old i was not watching barbara walters <laughs> i don't think i caught yeah. any barbara walters that my parents were watching like in the background i have no reference point for this woman uh, but apparently fucking Gabe Ugliano, who I can only imagine, went on national television in a wife beater and gold chain, um, is, Absolutely. you know, sobbing about how his murderous fugitive stepson killed his precious vehicle. Oh. And I just, I don't find this plausible at all. This is totally part of, like, the teen fantasy of, like, I found out that all of my all of the alienation in my life is actually because i'm an x-man with superpowers and i gotta go on yeah. an adventure now through ancient greece mythology and my you know my shitty stepdad is like he's acting like he's hot shit on the news but he doesn't know what's going on and then he gets turned into stones okay. fuck you gabe you're not I... my real dad okay i have been thinking about like mental casting now for gabe and 
I'm a little bit torn. I have two ideas in mind for this, like, fan casting. Um, so, right now, Glenn Fleshler is sticking out to me. Uh, I'll post Yeah, I'm seeing it. Glenn Fleshler. Oh, my God. I'm looking at a bunch of pictures of him. He's got so many different looks. But, yeah. He really really does. does. Um, Yes. Glenn Fleshler or Steven Root. I think Steven Root could potentially do it if he turned up the dirtbagness, like, a good bit. Yeah. But I think Glenn Fleshler was, like, first thought, Uh, best thought. Yes, and I think only if one of his friends playing uh, poker with him, maybe the one who's like, hey, go easy on the kid, man. That's got to be Peter Stormare. Gotta. I just need to see more of him. I... I thought you were going to say is played by fuck. I just I just closed the results for the cast of Barry, um, the guy who plays Noho Hank, uh, Anthony Kerrigan. Because honestly, I just want to see him in more things. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm Stephen Root. Oh my god, Anthony Kerrigan. Yeah, like totally shaved like he is, or is he an alopecia guy? I don't even know. I. I'm not sure. I think he has alopecia, but I'm not. Dude, K- sure. Kerrigan um, in Barry was like such an incredible role. That dude had me fucked he, up, like, in every scene he was in. Uh, oh, he does have alopecia. Honestly, he is, he's a, he's, he's just always, like, very, he's very compelling, he's very interesting. Like, I don't like the character of Victor Zaz in Batman, but he still makes it minorly interesting in Gotham, which Gotham is plagued by Yeah, I'm seeing writing. these pictures. Um, I don't care for Zaz either, he's just, like, a, he's just a blood freak serial killer. But, like, if anyone was going to do Zaz, yeah, I would put Kerrigan. Or Peter Stormare. Who's he's, to say? He's just... <laughs> wow. He's got very expressive eyes. Um, anyway. Yeah, so they go up and they, they fly home in an airplane, despite that being a bad idea this whole time. Wait, my only they other fly thing, home my in only an other airplane. cast for Gabe Ugliano, mm-hmm. and I know that they could never get it, but if I watched this movie and it was James Gandolfini, I would fall out of my chair. Ooh. It would never happen. I feel like James Gandolfini would... He's so above that. James Gandolfini... I feel like James Gandolfini would be just a little bit too... He wouldn't be able to deliver quite as shitty on it. Do you think he would be taken a little more seriously, a little more legitimately intimidating? No, I don't. I think the opposite. I think he would just, like, circle around to seeming cartoonish. I see. It would totally be that thing where, like... He did it because his kids love those damn books. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they go back to New York, and somehow they've managed to do, like, basically all of this in one day. Um, they've managed to get from uh, Las Vegas to the beach, then back into L.A., find their way around L.A. on foot to the realm of the underworld, go through the underworld, come back up, battle Ares, get on a flight to New York, and then fly over to New York, losing three hours in the process, and do it all in the same day. Yeah, when it was, I mean, yeah, I'd be willing to buy that time in the underworld, like no time passes out here, but even then, that's what... Um, and, I, and I'm sure that immediately okay. after they defeated Ares, he might have just like held up the lightning bolt and been like hey i know y'all are fucking watching this from the sky mm-hmm. look i have it i'm gonna bring it back give me like an extra 18 hours i gotta get on a cross-country flight now 
Yeah. Like he. Oh, uh, like it's it's a four-hour drive from Las Vegas to Santa Monica, and let's assume he. And that's not counting realistic traffic. Yeah, and then a six-hour flight back to New York. And and it was nighttime already when they got to the pier mm-hmm. at Santa Monica. Yep. Well, I think but, I think they hey, got to Santa Monica the night before the solstice. Like they had one day left. Follow it. Oh, like yeah, yeah. It was okay. the night before the day of the solstice. So they did have that whole day. Okay. See, I didn't think they had the day of the solstice. I thought it had to be done by the solstice. No, they still have the day of. Ah, got it. Okay. Well, that makes slightly more sense then, I guess. Um, so they fly to New York, and they split up gang, um, because Percy's just gonna go on his own to this place, and goes up to the fucking 600th floor or whatever, um, and goes to Mount Olympus, just walks right up, doot 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 doot, going to the throne room, doot 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 doot, and delivers the master bolt, and Zeus is like, yeah, you're a piece of shit, kid, I don't trust you, I'm watching you, it's like, Fair enough. He just... I thought. He just proved that he had nothing to do with this. That's exactly what they want you to think. Those sneaky sons of Poseidon. (laughs) I don't trust you, kid. You exist and were used as a tool to manipulate me, and you're trying to say that Kronos is coming back. I don't trust you. It's like, bro, he's your dad. And you felt and saw the room darken when I said his name. How are you doubting that he is still powerful and in, and in existence? I mean, to be fair, Zeus is canonically dumb. Yes, he's yeah. just so dumb. He's such a piece of shit. Oh my god. Yeah, and then and then Poseidon has a fun conversation with uh, with Percy, where he's just like, "I never wanted you to to be alive. I didn't want you." Yeah. It, it's it's that's... it's a bad thing that you are alive. That's very unfortunate. I like that they brought it there though. It yeah. was like it was very real. All this like all this talking yeah, it, and like oh, anxiety about like why didn't you know I'm thinking about the Will Smith moment in Fresh Prince about like why didn't you want me, man? And what? it and they're all doing this found family stuff where they connect with each other. And then he does actually get to confront uh, Poseidon. And Poseidon's just like, it's exactly as you thought it was. Like, I wasn't supposed to have kids, and you got embroiled in some shit, and I don't care. I'm doing ocean stuff. I'm on a level above your petty human concerns. And he's like, oh, no. This shit. I, I'm not. Percy realized that he wasn't going to get any, like, emotional vindication for everything. He's not going to get a fucking hug. And he does. And the mm-hmm, thing is, yeah. he does deserve a hug. But this, there's, there just isn't this father figure in his life that's going to give him the hug. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. the best he's got is that his his dad is proud of him, but <laughs> in like an abstract be way, talking to him or bringing yeah. him around or anything. Yeah, his dad is proud of him in an, in an abstract way. Yeah, and, because he saved Poseidon's yeah, ass. Boy, that's yeah, and it's it really is fucking. I I distinctly remember at one point around this age, my dad saying something like that, being like, "Yeah, I'm proud of you." It's like. Or fucking what? What do you have to be proud of? You didn't do anything. You're not involved here. I like... Did not say that because I was still slightly deluded into thinking that maybe, maybe eventually. Uh, But that's... No, I like the idea of like... This is so stupid, but it's that Gravity Falls meme 
where like you get a slip of paper that says like the pride of your absent father and you're like wow this is worthless this is worthless (laughs) (laughs) it's less than worthless my boy (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i'm glad they did at least address that because yeah the gods are not good parents at all Oh, they're wicked not... Oh, yeah, there's been this, like, side plot about Annabeth's family this whole time and how her dad is... Her dad is just, like, absolutely at the back and call of his wife who fucking hates her. Which, like, realistically, she kind of rightfully doesn't want Annabeth around because it's like, yeah, she is putting my children in danger by being around. Of course I don't yeah, want her a huge around. huge liability. Like, yeah. Very dangerous. Yeah, but also, like... Also, the fact that her dad didn't actually want her around and, like, never wanted to be a dad and, like, straight up made that clear to her from an early age. That's great. That's good parenting, buddy. And then she ends this book by trying to go and live with him for the school year again. And I have to imagine the next book opens not during the summer, but, I mean, it's got to open during the summer. It's got to be, like, there's new arrivals and shit and Percy is now in a slight mentor role, but, um... But, like, it's... I want the next book to open, like, a week later, and Annabeth turns up and is just like, yeah, no, nope, 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 this didn't work. This didn't work out. Except Percy's... You know what? No, we'll get there. But um, he goes there, and he goes back home, and he finds the box with Medusa's head in it that he sent to the gods as, like, a shitty little moment of rebellion and could have just straight up killed at least one god with like buddy what the fuck are you doing you aren't you trying to prove that you're not a shit starter (laughs) um but he finds it on his bed while he's talking to his mom who's finally back and just like you know mom i could take something out of that box and one look and gable never bother you again she's like no we'll get there i'll get there and he also has this moment of realizing, oh, Gabe hits my mom. So that came out of... Yeah, we already fucking knew I, that. I didn't. That came out of fucking nowhere. I mean, when you see the situation that this family was in, like, I took that as an implication in, like, a real-world situation, but I thought this is a children's book, but then that they went there right here in, like, the last chapter. I was like, whoa! Okay. Yeah. Like, I, that's, it seemed like, I think it, it seemed was like an interesting to, way of writing like they that. And it's probably... In, like, like, the last big motivation for, yeah, we're gonna kill this guy, and it's gonna be totally fine you you should feel great about us murdering this guy and we gotta like put all the fuel on that that we possibly can right at the end honestly it seemed kind of obvious to me even from that like first bit of chapter with him that said i i'm reading this as someone who is like well yeah obviously this is an abusive relationship but i think it is interesting to have it written in that way of like percy realizing like oh I feel like I kind of always knew, but this is, like, the moment where it really clicked. He hits my mom. He needs mm-hmm. to fucking die. Like, that's, that's an interesting and probably relatively realistic for uh, children of abusive relationships Yeah, to have that realization. Um, but, yeah, his mom is just like, well, you know, let me do it, basically. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna let you do it. I'm gonna let you be the one to do it. Fuck, imagine... Imagine the goddamn catharsis for her. She does take that off him. She's like, this is an adult thing that I have to do as an adult. Yeah. Kill my abusive husband. I can't let you be responsible for... 
I can't let you be responsible for killing anyone. You haven't cold-bloodedly murdered someone yet, have you? <laughs> yeah, Percy, we can't put this blood on your hands. Well, that's the thing. That would be blood, and everything else has just been ash. <laughs> it's true. Um, oh, in the fight with Ares, we, saw, we also got the uh, little detail that the gods bleed gold. Yes. Icor, um, the gods' blood. Yeah, and... The, Poseidon's throne is a deep sea fishing seat. That whole description That's of like great. what Poseidon looks like it's was just so like good. That, I hated that. I was just like, so what? What did you like? Were you in the writing of this? Were you not able to get the rights to say the word Margaritaville? Yeah, I was immediately thinking black hair Jimmy just, Buffett. It's but just they black just hair wouldn't Jimmy say it. I don't even know who who played him in the movie. I want to. Was it was it Liam Neeson? No, kind of um, let me see. Or am I thinking? No, I'm thinking Liam Neeson played Zeus in Clash of the Titans, which came was, out around the same time uh, as Sea of Monsters. I think that's a choice. I guess it was Kevin McKidd. Ooh, Kevin McKidd. Um, hang on. <laughs> he doesn't even looking him up. Kevin McKidd. Oh, that's. He looks huh. like nobody. He doesn't look like anybody. I don't recognize him. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, he. He's a. Yeah. Wow. I. I have no opinion about him because mm -hmm. that's what his face does for me. It's just right. no opinion. Um, but okay. Um, sorry if you're listening, Mr. McKid. Um, sorry, Mr. McKid. You look <laughs> Swedish, I guess. It's fine. He's had some good roles. You look like Diet Michael Fassbender. He's been in Grey's Anatomy for like 13 years. Oh my god. Yeah, really? he was Owen Hunt in Grey's Anatomy. He's like still doing Grey's Anatomy. I didn't even realize that show was I, still I running. I, I can't believe it. I thought I remembered them having their final season you 10 years ago. You would have thought, ago. wouldn't you? They, they advertised a final season like 10 you years ago. would have thought. Huh. All right, then. It's Grey's Anatomy and Supernatural. Oh, no. One just ended, so oh, shit. who he knows? He was in train spotting, though. That's cool. <laughs> but, huh. Okay. But, but yeah, Poseidon is 100% Jimmy Buffett in the books. <laughs> Except he's kind of a douchebag. Yep. <laughs> And that, what, then, then he, uh, he looks like shit. He, he looks like back. shit in train spotting. Oh yeah. my god! And that's Percy Jackson in the Olympiads. Grover said she fought bravely, but a mortal woman against a minotaur. It wasn't a dream. She's really gone. I'm so sorry, Percy. <gasps> it's my fault. She was trying to protect me. You mustn't blame yourself. You say the gods are real. So how could they let that happen? I'm afraid there are some questions only the gods themselves can answer. Look for their sign. You have to be paid. No, it's not. Uh, no, no, it's, it's not, not. Because he goes back to Camp Half-Blood and hangs out there for two months, dreading having to make a decision about what to do with his life. Again, big mood. Very um, relatable. Um, he has a difficult decision to make, so instead he just has anxiety about it but doesn't do anything. Ha-ha! <laughs> Yep. Percy Jackson, executive dysfunction. The Lord of ADHD. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, wait, what uh what superpower what what uh what battlefield readiness am I getting from from executive dysfunction? <laughs> um not wasting your time with pointless bullshit, but being trained for the important things. Yeah. I guess. I don't but, know. Uh, I do it too. It's a it's a task yeah. that takes 15 minutes to do and you took months to get there. Yep. Mhm. Mm I don't love that there is, there's no moment in here with the ADHD bit of 
Percy Jackson waking up, like, two hours before he was supposed to get up for training and just lays in bed the whole time perfectly awake, being like, well, I mean, I can't start doing anything. What if I'm late for training? <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't realize was also an ADHD thing. I didn't, I didn't realize a lot of things that I spent my life doing were ADHD things. Yay. Same. Because the uh, file was in a box at home. <laughs> for me, it was because I still had success in my academics without medication. So clearly so nothing was wrong with me. <laughs> I had success, but I was also barely making things in. Um, anyway, sorry. But yeah, so he spends some time doing that. They have their end of, end of season shit. And on the last day of summer, um, Luke... Luke is like, hey, I've got some cokes. Want to meet down by the lake? And yeah. And Percy's like, wow, he got coke here? I mean, I know that I can fill up uh, my goblet with blue coke, but he's got like cans of coke. Where'd he get those? It's like, who fucking cares? Like, I get that we're supposed to be like, oh, that means he's been leaving. But like, no, he's also the son of Hermes. He can get anything he wants in the mail. (laughs) He straight up can. Um, But whatever. Um, and he goes down there, and he's got a new sword, too. One side is steel, and one side is br- celestial bronze. It can and kill humans or uh, gods. And it's called Backbiter, because we it's are a, not subtle it's at pillow all. Biter. It's... I won't tell you why. <laughs> uh, but then he summons a fucking hell scorpion. And tells Percy about how, yeah, it was me. I stole the things. Because when I went on my quest, my my dad, I worked so hard to get a quest. And my fucking dad just had me do a quest that Hercules did already. Percy's like, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, dude, Hercules, Only Hercules, Hercules has ever kicks done ass. It. <laughs> yeah, and, and I failed at doing a task someone else had already done. It's like, yeah, sounds like you suck shit, buddy. Um, and, and after that... You know, I started having these dreams. It's like, yeah, Kronos is manipulating you, buddy. Um, and then he he waves the sword in an arc and disappears. So I guess Backbiter is also the subtle knife <laughs> to tie it back to his dark materials. Backbiter just allows him to teleport. Apparently. Either that or it's like... It's an ability he has for being a child of Hermes is he moved so fast that it just seemed like he was teleporting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Or maybe Kronos let him teleport because Kronos has kind of always had like vague power. Kronos' power is being king of the Titans. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, But whatever. Um, yeah, and that's the end of the book with Percy deciding he's gonna, he's gonna go back home, and he's gonna try for this school that his mom got him into, and he wants to live with his mom full-time, um, and just come back to Camp Half-Blood on, during the summers, and Annabeth is gonna come back next summer, too, instead of living there like she's been doing the last, like, five years, because, because neither of them have learned anything. Yep. Percy, especially, has not learned anything. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't go out there like i fucking next book he had better get to either next book he goes back to camp half-blood and that's how it starts or next book he starts off like doing a quick recap of his school year and it's just like yeah uh chiron followed me to my new school just so he could keep an eye on me 
Oh, also, um, Grover gets his searcher's license and goes off in search of Pan. And in the, like, 24 hours since getting his searcher's license, his beard is longer and he's taller and his horns are longer. So it's just like, all right, I guess getting your searcher's license literally just, like, fast changes you to an adult. Apparently. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's Percy Jackson. Um, not a yeah. great book, but an interesting world to build off of. Yes. Um, the back of my book has uh, literature circle questions. Oh, boy. There's uh, 15 of them. There's also three activities. I'm going to go through uh, do, 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 about what uh, about the interesting ones. Well, I'll, I'll pick out the interesting ones. Do y'all have anything else to say about like the end of this book while I do that? It's a small thing, but... Yeah, um, Annabeth and Percy's parting made me realize I I don't like the nicknames in this book. And everyone throws them yeah. around. They're all, all of them are dumb. All of them. Yeah. It's, it's clearly Rick Riordan trying to do the, like, epithet thing mm-hmm. from epic Greek poetry and just not managing it. No. Because it has nothing to do with them as people. It only has to do with their parents. Yep. Yep. It's, yeah, not a fan. Also, throughout the book, just various points in the book where Percy said things like, somehow I knew if I heard him say, somehow I knew one more time, I was going to say, but you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Something, some pet peeves of mine throughout the book. But anyway, I want to hear a discussion question. Unless, okay. unless Jamie gives. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish reading through these. Real quick. Some of these are actually not bad. Um, okay. Uh, there is one thing that I forgot that was raised by the discussion questions that I do actually want to talk about, even though we're pushing four hours on this recording already. (laughs) Counting the half hour we spent talking about fucking Boss Baby before we actually started the episode. It was important. (laughs) It was, it was important. Um, Okay, here's a... Here's a quick little one. In the end of the book, do you sympathize at all with Luke's feelings of betrayal? Is there anything you can do to relate to, uh, to his point of view? Like, Yeah, a lot. He was I right. I mean, kind of, yeah. The age of the gods yeah. is he was, over. And, like, Usher in the new era. Yeah. Western civilization is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, like, of course he feels betrayed and abandoned by the gods. Being the only fucking counselor in this place and the counselor for the cabin of all of the, like, unclaimed children of the gods of course he fucking hates the gods he's their goddamn social worker like he's their social worker and also a child of an absentee dad like of course he hates them um but the other one that is like actually good that i forgot to mention um the god Ares says he loves america he calls it the best place since sparta what does he mean? Do you agree with his assessment of America? Why or why not? <laughs> Hell fucking yes, I agree with that assessment of America. Holy shit. It's the most of Sparta course place Ares loves Sparta. America. Yeah, we we literally in the last two years have been sacrificing the lives of our children at the altar of maintaining our idea of cultural identity. We have turned war like, we've turned you all know, war global, invisible and ever present. And yep. and we don't care how many of our own citizens die so long as we continue with this idea of American exceptionalism. If mm. you don't fit with being exceptional, 
in America, you might as well not even exist. Fuck you. You deserve to die. What is it? What is like an eighth grader supposed to say to that question, though? Probably just that we have a lot of guns and like violence and war. Which is and, also correct. You know, probably that Ares is, Ares is, Ares is, you know, looking at this really simplistically. America also has a lot of freedom. Yeah. Not like in Sparta, where, you know, you'd send children out into the woods to kill each other or be killed. And then when they came back, that's when they earned the right to be a citizen. We'd never, we'd never put children in, no, knowingly put children in deadly situations just so that we could maintain our sense of society by not no. having to make sure anyone has vaccines or shut down schools or anything. No, never. Oh. Yeah. Oh, there's a little note after the questions. These literature circle questions are key to Bloom's taxonomy as follows. Knowledge, 1 through 3. Comprehension, 4 through 6. Application, 7 and 8. Analysis, seven, uh, 9 to 11. Synthesis, 12 through 13. Um, and evaluation, 14 to 15. Luke's feeling was in the evaluation section, and uh, Aries's was in the application section. And that's cool. I like that, one, I like that this was at the end of the book. That's interesting, and I haven't seen that done before. And two, I like that it's actually, like, sorting this in terms of, like, an actual tool to be used, presumably by educators who are teaching this in class. Um, even though I doubt it would ever be added as part of a curriculum. But it's interesting. Um, yeah. There's also three activities. Um Imagine you discover you're a half-blood. What cabin do you think you'll oh, end they, up in? They, what are the possibilities? The book posed that Write a fictional essay first... describing your arrival and the discovery of your true no, parentage. That's exactly as I said in the very first chapter of this book. It's just bait for, like, write yourself in as an OC. Go, do it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number two, the book is the first in a series. Luke is still at large, Kronos is growing stronger, and Percy is about to step out into the world as the acknowledged son of Poseidon. What will happen next? Like the Oracle, make four predictions about the next book. What will happen in it? Share your predictions and the clues that support them, and create a chart showing what you think are the most likely upcoming events. That's interesting and cool. That's a fun mm -hmm. little thing. Also, it's not telling you to write fan No, I disagree. That's bullshit. Uh, they were soliciting you, ideas for the sequel book. <laughs> Just like getting kids to write shit for them. <laughs> Um, activities number three world war two is revealed in this book to actually have been triggered by an epic go. battle between Here the gods go. how can a modern event be explained by the gods pick a current event an earthquake a battle or even a surprising celebrity love affair and explain how the gods were really i think that's irresponsible i think that is an irresponsible television news i think that is an irresponsible question it's to pose to a child i do not think it is also i think yeah, it's a i think it's a fun on. little game but be very careful about like look kids you gotta understand that like people are shaping history right now and the systems of our society are shaping history don't get too wrapped into this greek no, okay, god shit we on. all have agency a little bit yeah hang on you a second i i have a very strong feeling that the uh recent celebrity uh love thing was based off of brad pitt and jennifer aniston splitting up oh, yep sure it was mean. they split up in january 2005 Wow. Holy shit. It was 100% about yeah. the split up of Brad Pitt and Angelina. Or That's Brad Pitt so and Jennifer funny. Aniston. Wow. The end of the Braniston era. <laughs> what do you want to bet? What do you want to bet Rick Riordan, being a teacher, wrote all these questions himself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what? No. I think that last one was suggested by the publishing house. Okay. Because... <laughs> 
Fuck, okay. I actually kind of want to do that last one of just like, why the fuck would the gods care about Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston splitting up and Brad Pitt getting with Angelina which Jolie? Which god or why would they which give god a shit or god? Because Angelina Jolie is a daughter of Aphrodite, clearly. Here's the big question this week, and the listeners can go home and ponder this one. Which god or goddess caused, and why did they cause, Alec Baldwin to shoot that woman? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Who's the uh, who's the Greek god of capitalism? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, Hades is the god of like the wealth god and gems ah, and money. Plutus. And stuff, but like, I don't know if that's quite Plutus. Uh, Plutus, the Greek god of wealth. So Plutus was the re- was uh, the god of abundance or wealth, uh, and personification of riches. Hmm. The sun, hey, and he's a demi originally a demigod, the son ah. of. Demeter and a Cretan named uh-huh. and ap- Apparently he is blind and cannot tell good from evil. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit, he is yep, the god of is. capitalism. He's the god of capitalism. Can't tell can't tell the difference between good or evil, just cares about acquiring no wealth. Shit. <laughs> the amoral god of wealth, Plutus. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Why is that god not hyper-powerful in America in this? Because it doesn't work off of American gods' oh. rules. Otherwise, he totally would be. Um, we, we oh, gotta... in, in some versions, he's the son of Hades and Persephone. So that's funny. Hmm. Y'all, we gotta wrap it up. It's after one o'clock. I got work oh, tomorrow. Yeah, it, yeah, it's we, late. we thank it's everybody so for listening to the to On Air Book Fair podcast. That has been our extremely protracted discussion of the first Percy Jackson book. Next week, we are going to be talking about uh, Christmas in Camelot. I, I, okay, do we want to do a, like, super light, realistically, like, fucking toothless nothing book? Because if so, the Magic Treehouse books are perfect. I think so, and because Um, it is December, like, Lord knows, it's going to take me until the end of the month to get that episode out, at the very least. So, um, yeah, I think the Magic Treehouse, Christmas in Camelot, is a good choice for this month. All right, Magic Treehouse, Christmas in Camelot, uh, a book I distinctly remember from my childhood as being a book I was reading while listening to another book on tape, and it was one of my proudest accomplishments as a kid, understanding two books at once, while one I was listening and one I was reading. Um, and that should have also been a clue that I had ADHD. <laughs> that, that is Magic Treehouse number 29. Yep. How many fucking books are there? Yeah. A lot. There's so oh. many fucking books. There's also There's so Winter many. of the Ice Wizard, which I liked. Mm. I thought it was cool, but I never read that one. Uh, that was another one of their like winter adventures. I think I think they do like special things around different holidays. Um, there was yeah. also one that they, the cover was them fighting a red dragon. Um, I remember when Magic Treehouse was just they went to the moon and got a moonstone, or they went to the Amazon and got a yeah, mango. At all these damn they got things. a bunch of things that started with <laughs> M and took them back to the treehouse and uh, fucking made contact with Morgan Le Fay. Uh, no yeah. shit, we got who was who was good. Morgan Le Fay was good in this in this book. What series. an interesting take. Which was odd for me because as a small child, I read this after um, after I read oh what was it. Um, Oh, yeah, after we read the King Arthur mythology in uh, in elementary school, we read, like, a kid's version of King Arthur. And I was like, wait, Morgan, Morgan the Fae? No, don't trust your kids. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. a child? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. I'm looking at Magic Tree House number 14, Day of the Dragon King. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough. Yep. Holy shit. I I read that one. Um, if you'd like to read along with uh, us, going the into the The idea of next... a kid's version of Arthurian myth is interesting. Just like, yep. oh, yeah, Morgan Le Fay. Um, oh, so she, she didn't cast a love spell on Arthur using the, like, a flayed strip of a person from the top of their head all the way down and back around to the top of their head again and just, like, wrapped it around him to cast it. <laughs> they made a belt out of this whole man's yeah. body. From the scalp uh -huh. they, to the, they, to, they from they the scalp down to the taint and then back up to the scalp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they skipped over just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> all right, oh. okay. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um... If you'd like to follow along with us, go read uh, The Magic Tree House number 29, uh, Christmas and Camelot. Uh, these two siblings are going to find themselves in some sort of strange Arthurian tale um, through uh, presumably their Magic Tree House. But this has been the Honor Book Fair podcast. If you want to message us for any reason, why in God's name would you? Nobody has yet. Uh, you can send us an email at onairbookfair at gmail.com or I think we're on Twitter uh, at onairbookfair. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm... Uh, I was actually considering after this, after the second episode of this came out, doing like a little bit of a live tweet uh, for for all three of us potentially, of us getting together and watching the Percy Jackson movie. Um, I'll do you one better. We could do yeah. a commentary track for it. Um, but that'll be in the future. I haven't even uploaded mm. the first episode of the Percy Jackson book. I gotta, y'all, I've been working so hard. I had a sixty-five hour week. Yeah. Um, so I gotta go to bed. But understandable. Uh, love you and goodbye. Yeah. Good night. Bye. Um, also. Maybe my dad was a screw up too. His best laid plans always falling through. Maybe he did the best that he could do. Maybe my dad wasn't always there. Maybe he never knew how to care. But hey, that's life and life ain't fair. And I know right now things are less than fine. But I think my dad may have thrown me a line. And better late than never to finally get a sign I'm the son of a sign